Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. It's always that one time you need a defense attorney and you just don't know who to call, right? Well, I'm telling you, Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm, he's the best in the business when it comes to a defense attorney. And he's a former prosecutor, so he knows the other side of the courtroom. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide, has handled litigation in over 19 different states. If you need Manny, theauroralawfirm.com, theauroralawfirm.com. He stops by the show twice a month. Got any questions? Leave it on our hotline, 404-369-3825, or on our social media off podcastthebs.com. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an ear, and that's why Dr. David Markwell and Ridgeline Counseling are the best at what they do. Ten different therapists who work with Dr. David Markwell at Ridgeline Counseling. If you're in the Georgia area, East Cobb, Marietta, near the square in McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. And they assist with a wide variety of behavioral health issues like anxiety, depression, relationship issues, parenting issues, trauma, substance use issues, etc. Offering virtual sessions. If you can't get to the Georgia Stops, the website, markwelltherapy.com. Again, markwelltherapy.com. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. All right, there it is. Episode 82 of the BS. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissor Studio, beautiful Roswell, Georgia. There's Nader Tater Vaders in uh, his still in Iowa. He's never leaving. I'm telling you, folks, I got a dollar. I'm putting it on. That he's never leaving Iowa. He's never going back to Playa del Carmen, Mexico. He's going to leave his eight things that he's bought there in his wherever he's renting. And he's going to stay with mom and dad in Iowa. And he's going to become a farmer. That's what that's what my prediction is. Yep. I'm going to work for and also I'll have another job would be farmer's insurance agent. <laughs> and I can have two jobs and supplement this. Two farmers. I'm a not only <laughs> I'm I not only get you milk but i also get you insurance i'm a farmer <laughs> <laughs> uh, brandon thrasher is linsky studios there in noonan georgia hello brandon thrasher hey guys how's it going you might not want to go back to mexico um did you hear about the the mysterious metallic orb that fell uh down there that the navy of mexico and the security of national de defense needs to collect it and study it i mean it's just like weird if it's an orb it's a ball that fell from the sky it fell in veracruz mexico is that near playa del carmen uh no no not really but no i hadn't heard about this what Dude. is like how big is it it's pretty damn big i mean it, it uh i don't want to see it has some size on it but um, this city that it fell on has 600,000 people. It's on the Gulf of Mexico side, I guess, southeast corner of the country. Isn't that where Playa del Carmen is? Or no, you're northeast, right? 
No, we're we're southeast, but we're on the out. They're on the inside of the um, the Gulf of Mexico. We're on the outside. We're on the outside of the peninsula. Okay, but I mean, you're not that far. Uh, I mean, versus like Mexico City or something like that. Um, we are. Let me see. Uh, driving, it's uh, seventeen hours. Oh wow! Everything in Mexico is far. It's not like Atlanta. Dude, Everything's twenty minutes. Just, just look at it like we're directly below the United States. So if something's on the the east coast of Mexico, it's like the east coast of the United States. It's on the west coast. It's on the other side. So it's just, it's just as big. I mean, not just as big, but it's it's wide. No, I understand that. But this is on the east coast of Mexico. That's what that's what I'm saying. It's on your no, side. It's, it, no, it's it's on the out like the inside of the Gulf of Mexico. It's like saying like. San Antonio, Texas is near Alabama. Mm. It's uh, it's it's on the same kind of line, but yeah, it's on the inside of the Gulf, and we're on the outside. We're closer to like uh, Cuba and the Cayman Islands and Jamaica. Well, listen to this: a prominent meteorologist says that a bizarre metal orb, emblazoned with a secret code, and perhaps containing valuable information inside, fell from the sky onto a tree in Veracruz, Mexico and creating a firestorm of intrigue on social media and local media. This is a big thing. As of this recording, I have not seen it that much on social media, but after this episode is released, I'm telling you, we're going to be at the forefront of this. We'll be the number one podcast reporting on the mysterious orb in Veracruz, Mexico. Luna, a television meteorologist whose catchphrase is, weather is also news, and always types in capital letters, wrote that the metallic sphere, sphere excuse me, fell on top of a tree in Lomos del Rio Medio neighborhood in Veracruz, a city of 600,000 people in the Gulf of Mexico in the southeast corner of the country. Luna speculated that it appears to be made of a very hard plastic or an alloy of various metals. And a, Yeah, if it fell from the sky, that's really tough plastic. Jesus. I don't think it's plastic. It's got to be some type of metal or alloy. I agree. Apparently, it has an antenna on it as well. He said that people who saw it falling from the sky said it emitted a sound, but no fire. He speculated that it could be. This is what I would have said. It's part of a Chinese rocket that crashed on Earth over the weekend. Because we got that Chinese trash falling from the sky. You know, like oh, yeah. at least that's what we say. I mean, there's a lot of bullshit up in space, right? I mean, we really junked up that place. I know it's a big area, but we still junked up that place. You know, eventually something's going to start falling back down to earth. We always say it's the Chinese stuff. Oh, that rocket must be made in China. It's falling down on India. <laughs> like none of, we, you've never read a report that an American da 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 has fallen down or a Russian da 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 has fallen down. It's always the Chinese shit that falls back down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah there's like a ton of space state uh space debris uh out there just pieces of rockets yeah. and things just floating in the orbit mm-hmm. yeah i'm, I'm reading and even without that just like the number of satellites like if you saw a picture of the earth with all the satellites in it if you could see them um I mean, a bunch. It, it, yeah it just looks like junk i'm reading there's four thousand five hundred and fifty satellites in orbit at any Jesus. one time John, there was a guy that I knew years ago, a bull knows him too. He worked for him, Mike Harvey. And I, I think I'm getting this right. We should ask bull. I, I'm probably screwing this story up, but you know, when, when Mike, Mike Harvey's a legendary radio personality and he'd been a broadcaster for decades and had syndicated uh, programming that he had 
done himself. And and I remember when he started doing it himself, and he told me, because I worked with him in Orlando. He also did the morning show in Orlando at one time. Uh, and, and he had this oldies syndicated show. And he said that he had he owns his own satellite. I, I think I'm getting that right. He's like, I own my own satellite so I can do my radio show. I'm like, that's fucking cool. If he was lying to me, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, wow, dude, you own your own satellite. I was excited to get a 10-gallon fish tank, and you own your own satellite? Wow, that's so neato greedo. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, anyway. So, well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's like when people had uh, satellite TV back in the day and you had the big dish in your backyard, people would say, yeah, I have a satellite, but it's, <laughs> it's a satellite dish. Maybe that's what you mean, because a satellite costs between 50 million and 400 million dollars. So don't think he has his own satellite. We had the giant dish when I was a kid. Uh, when the when you know direct tv first came out and they would come out i mean this dish was like nasa style dish in your backyard a lot of you probably don't remember this but you would get a li- literally a satellite dish the thing was huge you know now they're maybe uh, 2 by 2 or you know yeah, 2 feet by 2 feet something like that very small this thing was like 25 by 25 feet it sits brandon did you do you know about these big satellites have you ever seen them yeah, I've seen it before. Okay. We had one in our backyard, and when you would change the station, the satellite would move. It would, you, you could, like, we would change the station. Uh, we would purposely change the station farthest from the station we were on so we could run outside and watch the satellite turn. I mean, it was like yeah, fucking NASA dish. in your backyard. That was your, that was your satellite tele. That was when satellite first came out, satellite TV. There was huge satellite dishes. Yeah, I'm looking at here also picture. I mean, I know you know what they look like, but yeah, I'm just looking at a picture of and it's if you showed a kid this today, that would be a good like YouTube or TikTok video. Show you know how they show kids old technology. Show them this because it looks like you have some kind of NASA construction in your backyard. <laughs> like I didn't realize how out of this world it looked at the time. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. I okay, so I remember it differently. Maybe Maybe I'm wrong on how I remember it, but I remember it a lot larger than that. And it sat closer to the ground. It was almost like a trampoline size in your backyard. And that's how I remember it. I could now, I could be wrong. You know, it could be just one of those, you know, fuzzy memories from when I was a kid. So who knows? But that's kind of how I remembered it. Uh, But anyway, yeah. So watch out for falling space debris in Mexico. No, I will. (laughs) But I I would think. if it fell from actual space, would it really just like land in a tree? Like, wouldn't it burn up in um, the atmosphere or be on fire or just like put a hole in the ground? It seems weird that it just like, you know, sat itself in a little tree there. I have no Maybe idea. It itself down. Might be a little alien inside driving it. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they say there's no hole, there's no slit, there's no nothing where you can open it up. It's just a ball. But they said there was a set uh, with an, an antenna. antenna on it too. Yeah, with an antenna. And then the the same guys reading said on his Facebook that uh, it appears to be made of seven alloys. What the fuck are you talking about? Seven, like you can't tell what. Like oh, it looks like there's seven out. Al- well, no, maybe eight. No, there's seven alloys in this ball. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's Luna, man. That's your boy down there. That's the Mexican meteorologist. Don't mess with Luna's alloy assessment. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Apparently, he study, studies metals as well. Avon. Uh, hey, it's got seven alloys, man. I I know the periodic table, man. It's got a couple of those. It's one one of those. It's it's it's, it's what it is, you know. 
All right. So just be manganese. Just just be careful of your seven alloy orbit balls that are falling down there in Mexico. I'll, I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> Ain't that the shit? You're walking down the road, dude, and you look up and you're like, oh man. Some fucking hard plastic alloy ball or whatever the hell it is falls in your head and kills you. Bam! Mm, you're done. That sucks. Like that, uh, you see the video of the uh, the dancers? I think they were like a K-pop group or something. You know what I'm yeah. talking about, Brandon? Yeah, and the TV falls on them. It was, well, it was bigger than a TV. It was a oh, yeah. screen. It was a jumbo screen. But, I mean, that thing, like, it was like a cartoon. It fell and trapped them. That person lived, though. They, they all lived. Nobody died. Yeah, that looked bad. I mean, it just, like, split them right down the middle, and his legs just go up on either side of the screen. Oh, I got a sword. He died. That's that's probably one of the most truest statements that cliche statements that we hear and say. It's like, when it's your time, it's your time. You just don't know, you know. Guy gets swallowed by sinkhole. Pfft, didn't ask for it. Didn't do anything to deserve it. It was just his time. Wrong place, wrong situation. You know, damn, shouldn't have been dancing on stage. Wrong time, wrong place. Shouldn't have been walking in Mexico. Uh, damn orbits are falling. Wrong time, wrong place. You know? <laughs> um, so maybe that's why this is a big deal uh, to transition into the, the music Midtown thing where people think they don't want to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, so they got to have their guns. Uh, the, so in Atlanta, for those that are, listen to the podcast outside of Atlanta, we have a, a, a very large festival that happens here every year called Music Midtown, and it dates back decades. I mean, it's very heritage to the music industry, not just to Atlanta, but definitely to Atlanta, but to the music industry. And the guys that started it, uh, you know, uh, Alex Cooley, uh, Peter Conlon, Alex Hoffman, Peter Conlon, now the president of, of Live Nation. He's a friend. He's a great guy. His stories are uh, absolutely amazing. I tell him every time I talk to him, he should write a book and he's got no interest in it. But, you know, they, they started something very cool. And, you know, every year they get beat up by people that don't like the lineup, right? You know, back in the yeah. day, it was more rock heavy. And they've realized that the festival goers nowadays are the younger generation. Well, the younger generation wants to hear younger generation type music. I get it. They want to hear more pop driven music. They want to hear what's the flavor of the month. They want to hear the Machine Gun Kellys, the Portugal, the Mans, the Miley Cyruses. Well, this year, their lineup they had as one of the headliners is My Chemical Romance who My Chemical Romance were kind of at the forefront of the emo redemption era of music in the early 2000s. I personally like My Chemical Romance. And then they were, they've been on hiatus for a very long time, and now they're back together and they're back on the road. I think also Fall Out Boy was going to come, maybe Miley Cyrus. I don't know. Just this really good lineup uh, of music for they do their best. Jack White, you know, Future um, were, were supposed to be there. Just kind of, it's a festival. You know, you, you don't really, side note, you don't really, in my opinion, go to festivals for the intimacy of a band. You go to festivals for the experience and the ambiance of the music behind you of the bands you enjoy versus going to, you know, a house of blues or a hard rock live um, or, you know, or, or, or whiskey a go-go or something like that where you're going to see the intimate show. Bigger the band gets, 
you know, they, they, that's harder to do, obviously. That's why you've got to, you know, support music at its very uh, infancy stages so you can see the bands perform in these in these types of uh, environments, right? I saw a video the other uh, 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 that's going viral the other day that back in 1990, there was this barbecue place in Tennessee, and it's the first performance on record of Hootie and the Blowfish. And their house band was like this bluegrass band, and they were kind of making fun of them. They're like, oh, so you guys are in a rock group. You're in a music group or something like that. Why don't you get up here and try to play something? And they come up on stage, and first it's the guitarist, and then they bring up Darius Rucker, and they give them some instruments, and they do some Hootie songs. It's like it's before they got big, right? 1990. They're like, oh, it's up and coming band. And then the rest of this bluegrass band joins in. You know, hold my hand. You know, you got to support these bands in the infancy stages, you know, so you can see that. But this is a festival. Very few of you are going to be front and center to, to see or hear the band. So you hear it in the background, you go for the idea of a festival. Here's the problem. This year, they've canceled it. Um, scheduled for September. They've canceled it. Uh, they say uh, on their website, hey, Midtown fans, due to circumstances beyond our control, Music Midtown will no longer be taking place this year. We were looking forward to reuniting in September and hope we can all get back to enjoying the festival together again soon. And that's all the information that they put out there for their cancellation. Now, pro-gun rights groups have been emailing and posting comments on the festival's social media page for months, hinting at a potential legal challenges from gun groups now, this is because of our amazing governor here in the state of Florida, the 2019 ruling that expanded a 2014 Georgia law that critics have dubbed the guns everywhere law. So th there, there's like the fine line. I want to read, kind of read this word for word so I don't screw it up. But uh, the law officially known as the Safe Carry Protection Act, right, which I am for. I am I'm very much for your right to carry a firearm. I'm not really a big fan of open carry. There's an argument to be made for both sides, which I could totally accept. Just me personally, uh, I've seen too many irresponsible firearm owners abuse the open carry law. Uh, and that was a big shock when I moved here. I saw a kid, I'm assuming he was 18, looked, didn't look 18, looked a lot younger at the mall with his gun on the table in his eyes that's open carry probably in my possession that's not what open carry is it needs to be on your person you can't just lay your pistol on the table in the food court in the fucking mall you dumbass you know it's just it's just not a good look right i mean somebody coming to i mean it's just a million different things there's too many irresponsible firearm owners that's the problem um anyway the safe carry protection act expanded george's already Permissive gun status uh, status is to grant residents the right to pack heat in bars, churches, schools, and other private businesses with the owner's permission. Okay, so if you go to a bar, which historically has been an off-limits to carry a gun for obvious reasons, but the owner says, fuck it, you can bring it in here. This is my bar, my property, and you can bring it in. That was okay, right? And that's up to the owner. Now, you, as a customer, can decide not to go there, right? And I've always been, I've always said that. 
If it's a private entity and they want something while under under whatever law it may be, they have the right to do that because it's their business. It's their rules. Uh, if you don't like it, too bad. You just can't go there. If YouTube bans you, if Twitter bans you, if Facebook bans you, they have the right to do that. Uh, a lot of us don't agree with it. I've been banned before, you know, for a couple of weeks or whatever the case may be. It wasn't right. It was not correct at all for the banning. But, you know what? Fuck it. You know, it's their, it's their world. What am I going to do about it? So um, it also expanded gun carry rights on publicly owned land like the city-owned Piedmont Park, and that's where Music Midtown is. Although there was no legal consensus on whether or not the law applied to private events on city property, which would be Music Midtown. So here's the problem. You have a private event, right, on public land. So they get trumped with the law because it's on public land, even though it's a private event. That's where the gray area comes in. That all changed in 2019 when the Georgia Supreme Court set new rules on what type of businesses could and couldn't bar uh, guns on publicly owned land. Five years later, Georgia gun rights groups filed a lawsuit against the Atlanta Botanical Garden. This is kind of the setting the precedence of this whole thing, the situation they had at the, uh, at the Botanical Garden, after one of its members was briefly detained for attempting to carry a holstered pistol into the garden, which is located on publicly owned land. Again, that person is thinking, I live in an open carry state. I should be able to go into the botanical garden with my gun on my hip. Well, the botanical garden is, is, is a private entity, is a private business on private land. They said, go fuck yourself. So that became a thing. And it was all part of this 2019 ruling where Georgia's high court set a test for how the safe Carry Protection Act was to be enforced by private businesses using public land. Businesses and groups that held certain types of long-term leases for state-owned land could legally bar guns, while businesses with shorter-term leases could not. While the ruling favored the Botanical Garden, it created legal issues for festivals like Music Midtown. Botanical Garden's there forever and ever, every day, 365, 24-7. Music Midtown's there for a weekend. Uh, so they've got the short-term lease, which then null and voids the, the, the carry law. I'm assuming that it would start it with one person, as it usually does, that has an agenda that made a big deal and was able to work within the law. I'm not even going to say loopholes, because really it's not loopholes. And they want to carry at the concert. Um, I think it's kind of whiny. And I'm a firearm owner. When has that ever been okay? Now, the argument you can make is, hey, dude, did you forget Vegas? You know, when, when the guy was snipering people. Yeah, yeah I, no, I did not forget it because my best friend was uh, a, an inch away from getting shot by one of those bullets as he was going to visit Jason Aldean and his wife, Brittany. I think Brittany. Uh, and he was dodging bullets that day. So, no, I did not forget it. But what could you have done? You know, the guy was in a hotel, you know, yards away okay well did you forget about the situation at the mall where thank god there was an armed patron that was able to take out the shooter before he caused any more harm and supposedly he was 40 yards away with his pistol and hit him which is very very difficult to do (laughs) very difficult to do so i don't know i think there's more to that story but anyway 
he's getting credit for it. No, I didn't forget about that, and that's a good thing. So here's the here's the here's the conundrum that I that I'm in thinking is as much as I agree that there should be more people, more uh, responsible firearm owners in situations, I am kind of a traditionalist where it's like you never went to a con, you never had a pro- like you never went to a concert carrying a gun, you never even thought about it, right? It's like you don't carry guns at concerts. There's just certain yeah. places you don't carry guns. But the argument nowadays is that we live in such a crazy world that the bad guys do. So what are we missing here to make it go back to the way it used to be? And I don't even know if we ever can. So then, then, then to me, it begs the question of, do we have, or have we lost faith in our law enforcement? Have we lost faith in our security, the people that are supposed to be protecting us? Because I guarantee you, you go out there and you pull 10 people the majority of those people are going to say they don't feel safe. They don't feel that law law enforcement can protect me. They don't feel that uh, the security guards can protect me. And you know what? I don't know if they're wrong. I really, really don't know if they're wrong. When you have laws that are being passed in states, Georgia included, California definitely, where they're saying things like, I don't know if it's a law, but they're saying things like, fuck it, we don't have enough cops if somebody breaks in something somewhere, we can't do anything about it. That doesn't make me feel safe going to a concert. Although I do feel that this situation comes across as whiny. Like, I've got to have my gun at the concert. To the best of my knowledge, there's never been a gun incident at Music Midtown. There's definitely never no. been a mass shooting there. No. And to the, I mean, I'm, maybe there is, and I just don't know about it, but just music festivals in general don't have other than obviously the, the Vegas one, but he wasn't even in the concert. I mean, there, when is the, any other concert or whatever? I've never heard of a shooting, not saying it hasn't happened, but it's a very rare occurrence. It's not something you would normally deal with. I mean, I can't bring a fucking, these guys will find a water bottle at the bottom of my bag coming in through security. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think we're all all right, but yeah, it's a, it's just not a, fear that i it's just like a fear that we don't have why are we making it a fearful situation well the dime bag situation would be another one somebody's saying right now it's like good you guys forget dime bag daryl there was a crazy fan that got up and was pissed and blames him for the split up of pantera so he jumps on stage and shoots him point blank Uh, and then security was able security was able to take him down not a patron but security was able to take him down yeah well and that's actually I was thinking about that and that's actually a good argument on the other side because they like one of the big things with this is the artists do not want to come to a festival or like they were pulling out. The the artists were pulling out because they didn't want to be at a festival where they were allowing guns and that rightly so because of the Dimebag Daryl situation like you don't want to go to you know to perform on a stage in front of a bunch of people where people can be hidden and may have a gun. And maybe they don't like this band or their political views or something. So I think these artists have every right to pull out. I wouldn't want to be up on a stage in front of people either that maybe some dislike me and, and could possibly have a weapon. Well, it's not the the artists, you know, they mentioned that in this, this uh, article on bill uh, billboard.com it's not just the, the, the festival, if it's allowing guns, it's the state you know, I mean, we've seen that with the state of Georgia. I mean, this has definitely turned into, I guess, a right-left thing. But, you know, th- there's a lot of people are like, fuck you if you, you know, you're you're 
pro the uh, abolishing uh, Roe versus Wade. I'm not going to come to your state. So the rest of us suffer, right? You know, so mm-hmm. in this case, because of this, which I think is silly. I think this whole thing is silly. It's yeah. re- it's really a, a, a moot point. That this is somebody using the law to push their agenda when they probably don't even go to the concert. Yeah, well, I don't know if you've read any updates, but the guy that has been emailing and, and I guess not, th- well, I guess threatening legal action, he's, he came out and said, I, I had no intentions of ever going to this this festival. I just want them to follow the rules. And so, yeah, it's it's just his agenda. He's just he's ruining hundreds of thousands of people's uh, time and people making money and the city making money and everything just to be just to be an asshole, basically. Like, come on, like this wasn't nobody else was worried about this. It wasn't an issue. There's, there's plenty of gun owners that went there and had no problem not bringing their guns. It's not a big deal. We've always done that. So it's just this guy being a dick for some reason, just ruining everybody's time. What a, what a pussy. And, and if you go based off of what you could speculate on what type of person it is, it's probably the same person that didn't believe COVID was real and it was all made up and it was agenda, but also at some point in time saying, we've got to get back to work, which I agree with. I always have agreed with that. We have to find a way to get back to work and make the world work again. So now that the world is working again, this asshole's finding a way to stop it because we're talking about, like you said, Nate, hundreds of people's jobs, money, food on the table for their family that they're depending on. And, uh, and money, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars brought into the local economy and in the state that has just been flushed down the toilet because this one guy is bitching and complaining about it. Uh, I, I I think it's really, really silly, you know? Yeah. And it's not even just the people working at the con or, you know, working with the bands or whatever. It's, it's the people doing concessions. It's the, the guards or the um, security it's, you know, the uh, tra- the custodians or whatever. Um, and, and a lot of the food vendors are like local businesses. So you're taking money uh, like out of people's pockets just to, to prove a point that didn't need to be proved. It was just, just uh, not a good move. Yeah, that's it. It's a point that is being proven that doesn't need to be proved. That's that's exactly it, and, and and that's that that's what we have a lot of. It, it's and that's the problem is you know we, we we're not taking personal responsibility for our actions. We're always passing the buck to somebody else about something else. It's never our fault. Wah wah wah. And we want to make we want to make some noise because we want to be known for something. We want to put our thumbprint somewhere. And we find ways to do that. It's like everybody has a, a a radio show from the 90s and is trying to be a shock jock in order to to, to make a name for themselves. Uh, it, it's just, I find it so, so silly. Again, I'm a gun owner and, and I'm very much pro guns and go, as long as it's, it's done responsibly. But I'm also a common sense guy. I think, you know, there needs to be more laws passed for gun owners and for responsible gun owners. You shouldn't give a fuck. You, if you're playing by the rules, you shouldn't care. You you shouldn't care to register your gun. If anything, you should want to register your gun because if it does get stolen, which happens all the time and is used in a crime, then you can report it missing and stolen before that happens. And then you're off the hook instead of going through the headache. Right. You know, so it's only the people that stockpile the weapons and it's only the people that have illegal weapons that have an issue with this or the people with an agenda. 
that misinterpret the law um, or people that honestly think that someday you're going to have to boot out, well, in our Constitution's case, the British government from your house so they don't seize it. Now, if you feel like that's really going to happen, then there's no talking you out of it. I get it. I understand. You're, you're just waiting for the end of days. You know what I mean? But for home protection or for sport, uh, to go to the range, or if you're a hunter, if that's your thing, um, that's not my thing, but if that's your thing, I get it. If done legally, you know, go out there and kill your deer and take pictures with the bloody tongue and have your kid hold the antlers up and post it on Facebook. If that's your thing, that's your thing. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, I think this one's really, really silly. You know, whoever's, whoever's doing it's kind of a douche. I just don't understand all these people now that make certain things, their, their personality and who they are, you know, whether it's a politician or, you know, you know, this guy sounds like, you know, his identity is guns probably, you know, or if it's your sexuality or whatever, it's just like, can't we all just be ourselves and just enjoy your time here on this planet and rather than making it all about something weird that doesn't need your life doesn't need to be about and it's just it just causes more anger and hate and stuff just just be you rather than trying to make your life about something that's uh maybe negative everyone that has an agenda and is outspoken about said agenda usually is the biggest fucking hypocrite because they don't do and say what they're telling other people to do and say based off of their agenda when someone else has an agenda, you know, there, everything is, you know, again, it goes back to the George Carlin in my house. This is my stuff. You come over to my house and you put your stuff in my house. It's your shit. Same. If I go to your house, this is my stuff from my house, but when it's in your house, it's your shit. And that's the way we look at things. If it's my idea, it's a good idea. And we really need to, 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 to work hard to make my idea and, and, and my agenda the best. But now somebody else is going, well, your idea, your agenda is shit. Listen to my agenda. My agenda is good stuff. And that's the world. That's Even after all these years, George Carlin was a visionary. It's, it's the most brilliant bit ever, in my opinion, because it is so true and it never goes away. It never dies and it never will die because we refuse to compromise. We refuse yeah. to understand everything is a knee-jerk reaction. Everything that is done in this country is a knee-jerk reaction, whether you're swerving the wheel to the fucking far left because, you know, of your crazy-ass agendas or you're swerving the wheel to the far right for your crazy-ass agendas, you know? And, and the whole idea is to meet in the middle and, and to, to have a compromise. Now, it's not going to please everybody, but those that aren't pleased have to, at some point in time, understand what compromise is. You know, it's like when you're a kid, your parents say no. You're a fucking adult and you're acting the same exact way. It's, you never, we never grow up, you know, that sucks. So, I don't know. I mean, now, now, it does beg the question of where you should be able to carry guns. Okay, let's take all that out of the equation, you know, the laws and all that stuff. Where do you think in 2022, Brandon, you should be able to carry a firearm? Uh, probably everywhere except a bar. Everywhere except a bar. Okay. Maybe I should ask that. Where should you not be able to? And that's because you're intoxicated, fight escalates, somebody's going to get shot. Yeah. yeah well, it's the same idea. Yeah, well, and it's the same idea with the music festival. Having, I mean, you see fights fairly often at, at um, 
at concerts and everything. If certain people are packing and they've been drinking, it's not going to end good, especially when there's, you know, tens of thousands of people in a, in a small space, it's going to end badly. So yeah, the same deal with the bar. Uh, but one, I think if we're doing, you shouldn't, uh, banks, I think they're already not legal to do that. Right. I don't know. I don't think you can carry into a bank. You can't wear a mask into a bank. But, for, well, it used to be that a that was, it all last year. I was just going to say, for that was the most trippiest thing ever for the longest time. <laughs> it was like, take your hoodie down, take your sunglasses off, take your hat off. Don't come into our bank. We need to see your face. If you got any of that shit, you know, it's like, then you can't come in this bank unless you're wearing a mask, you're wearing a hoodie, you're wearing, it's like, <laughs> you're looking like DB Cooper, you're looking like the Unabomber. You know, you can't come into the bank. So, it was, you know. Uh, time shit. I don't. I don't know or if you can ask. I, I don't. I mean, I could carry a gun into a bank if I want to. Uh, Conceal. Who's gonna know? No one's gonna know. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're gonna check. Um, you know, schools are probably the next big question mark. There's a lot of people that think you. you certain people should. I don't think. I don't think anybody's pro student carrying a gun to school. I mean, that would just be ridiculous. Timmy, keep this in your bag. Yeah, that. that. No, I'm incorrect. There is no federal law against carrying a gun into a bank. And, and, and it's saying exactly what I thought. It says most people think since banks are federally insured that you're not allowed to bring a gun on federal property because like, um, like courthouses, like you can't, yeah, that's probably a good one there. Don't bring it into a courthouse. Well, you, okay. So interesting. So into a courthouse, as soon as you walk through the door, they're the metal detectors, right? So they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll catch you. You have a lot of space before you get to the metal detectors when walking into an airport. That has always blown me away that there is, they're not reset where there are metal detectors. Like after 9-11, when any, everything changed, um, we still, 20-plus years later, we still have not been able to reconfigure our airports where they look normal like they're still working on it you know and it, if you flew right after 9-11 you would see all these and you still see them especially in small airports makeshift uh tsa uh stations right they're just like they were thrown in there like it once used to be a whatever news but now it's a bomb checking station you know or something like that there was a woman at an airport uh, just the other week that went into the first section before you get to the, the, the metal detectors. She, she's on, you see it on camera. In the corner, got a hoodie on, waits for the right time, pulls out her gun and starts fucking shooting. Like it's the yeah. Wild West. Like she's fucking in, 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 in Wyatt Earp times. Uh, and then she was taken down uh, by security. I think she was taken down by a taser, actually. I don't even think she was shot. Dang. Uh, did you see that? You didn't see but, that? Yeah, I remember hearing about it, but I didn't know the details of it. But, yeah, you're right. There, with uh, airports now, there's, like, basically food courts outside of security um, and shops and stuff like that. Yeah, there's so much room before you get to any type of security procedures. Well, because they have to, because you can no longer go to the tarmac, go to the gate, and meet your party. Right? you got to wait. Till they come out from the airport to meet your party. I mean, that 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 saddens me. That just puts that blackens my heart to know that my children will never get the feeling of being able to meet somebody at the gate. Brandon, you never got that feeling. No, uh, uh-uh. I yeah. think I was a baby though when my grandparents were there and watched us fly off, but I don't remember it. But it, the, you talk about one of the greatest experiences in life is to sit there and wait for your grandmother 
to walk up that ramp or be wheeled off that ramp as Graham eventually had to be. And you have a, a, a sign made for her and you're there. And then you get to greet her as soon as, and then, and then when you land, the, when you land at the airport and knowing that in just a matter of minutes, you're going to walk up and you're like, I got to look cool. And I got to, how am I going to do it? And you're walking up that ramp and then you're kind of peeking around everybody's head, you know, in the sea of people that are waiting and the sea of people that are walking out and you're like, where's, where's my grandmother? Where, where's my aunt? Where's my cousin? You know, where's my brother? You know, that kind of thing. And you're looking around. It's a cool feeling for those that experience it. Know what I'm talking about. And I'm not overplaying my hand here. It is one of the coolest feelings ever. Um, you know, to give you kind of a, you need some more feelings out there. <laughs> well, you, well, you, did you, you never, you were too young too. You never got to experience it, right? I mean, I was a, a child, but I think it's better now because the, in the Des Moines airport, there's escalators. And then at the bottom of the escalators, after you come out of the security, um, there's these escalators and you go down and when you come down the ceiling, slowly gets out of view and then soon as you're down low enough there's this like seating area where everybody sits that's waiting for people and they have signs and stuff so it's kind of you feel like a celebrity because you're coming down the escalator and the same thing in atlanta you're coming up the escalator and that's where everybody waits for you so it's almost kind of more fun where you like like rise out of the ground to come see your family off of the escalator. <laughs> well, my friend, we are going to agree to disagree on that. And I'm just telling you it's, it's, uh, but I've not experienced the escalator experience. So I can, cannot speak to how exciting that might be to come <laughs> rise from the ground to meet your party. You've never, you've never flown into Atlanta. Uh, so here's the second part of this. I couldn't, I can't tell you the last time somebody's met me at the airport. True, yeah, because everybody's Uber or you have your own car now. Right. I remember I told you that when you first moved to Atlanta. You're like, yeah, I got to take Alexis to the airport. I got to go pick my mom with Uber. I'm like, why? Put him on Marta. Like, what's the big difference? Give him an Uber. And you know, it's a $30 Uber ride to your house. Why would you wait in traffic for hours to go meet them and put them in your car? That just doesn't make sense. You get so much more accomplished by just staying home. And that's what we do to grandma. You know, at first it started with the Uber, uh, the Marta. And then she didn't feel comfortable in Marta, rightfully so. And uh, then now we just Uber grandma, you know, when grandma flies in. Well, not everybody wants to pay the price of their plane ticket to also take an Uber from the airport to <laughs> North uh, North uh, Atlanta. It's thirty dollars. Uh, no, it is eighty dollars to to fly or to Uber from the airport to like Roswell. It might be a little not bit more 30, than thirty, but it's not eighty. Yeah. It's not eighty dollars. I know. Oh, oh yeah, it, it, we, I've waited. I've watched. It, I've waited another hour waiting for it to go down from a hundred dollars just down to seventy. Well, yeah, so, we paid. We paid seventy to go from Noonan to Pontoon. Okay. Well, not all of us are doing Uber Blacks, Nate. How about that? Okay. Yeah, uh, me neither. Just yeah. Nikki is. Just, uh, just. <laughs> now, we, we, our last trip, I did something that I hadn't done before yet, at least in Atlanta, and I, I did the park and ride. And that was a very pleasant experience. The, the place that we went to, I forget what it's called, but it's green and white, right next to the International Terminal. Great parking spots, a lot of security, very nice people that work there, uh, high-tech stuff. You can get your car washed if you want to while you're gone. thought that was pretty neato, Greedo. You know, nice. yeah, they, they, send, they send you your QR code that you can automatically put into your wallet, which I thought was was good because not everybody does that. They'll be like, keep your email. This is a QR code that goes straight into your wallet. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, so that was a nice experience. So we, we would do that again. And you could always get Groupons for that kind of stuff, too, and, and dumb down the price. But I think yeah, for, was it like Park and Fly or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. But for a week, it, I think for a week, we paid 90 bucks. So it was like $12 a day or something. It was there for six or seven days. Um, and That's I, cool. I would much now look, I would much rather drive like the drive, not to be in traffic and all that stuff. But I, I get, I get such high anxiety being in an Uber for a long distance. It just, it freaks me out because all I'm saying in my head, I'm like, God, I'm going to die in an Uber. This sucks. This guy's got control of my life right now. It's just, you know, and, and you can't correct him. We had last time, one of my last Uber rides was this very large Russian woman I think I told the story on one of the episodes. She was texting or talking to her boyfriend. Lucas was his name. It was Lucas with a heart in her phone because I looked at her phone. They're, you know, they're talking in Bushki. And she ain't paying attention to shit. Like, as soon as we came out of our neighborhood, we almost died. You know, just, uh, there's like a, a little meeting in the middle, but you got to do it. So you got to do it right because it's it's not fat. So you got to make your car skinny. And uh, she just didn't even look like that. I'm like, what are you doing? And then she goes back talking to her boyfriend, knowing that she's shit-talking me. Should have pulled out my Google Translator. Like, I know what you're saying, bitch. Bushki, bushki this in your asshole. Now, so, anyway. That's why it's always good to be drunk when you get an Uber. You're like, oh, yeah, you're better than I am right now. I don't care how, how bad you are. <laughs> you're right. When you play the odds, you're like, you might be a shitty driver, but you're at least coherent. So my money's on you. <laughs> All right, so no no music Midtown this year, unfortunately. People come from far and wide to, to see this show. It's not just uh, Atlanta people, and it's all because one guy who wasn't going to go wants people to be able to carry their guns there. No. Did they have it last year? Uh, No, last year was pandemic year. They had the year before, I believe, right? 2020 was no. pandemic. No, they did have it last year. I didn't go, but I had passes. My family went. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I'm trying to look and see. Yeah, or was it last year that they just delayed it from, like, was it, or no, maybe that was Shaky Knees. I don't remember. Straight. Uh, but yeah, I feel I feel like they had it last year, and the year before they did not. Oh, no, I yeah, they did have it last year. I did go last year. Yeah, I went last year. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure. it was right before... Or maybe it was like the weekend that we were moving to Mexico, and I remember we couldn't go, and I wanted to go. So, yeah, I believe they did have it. I think they had uh, Shut Up and Dance With Me band. Oh, yeah. Um, Shut Up and Dance With Me. They also sing that song as Close the Goddamn Door. Oh, Panic at the Disco? Yeah, Panic at the Disco. Thank you. Oh, yeah, but Shut Up and Dance With Me is Walk the Moon. Oh, shit. Sorry, my bad. Get them all mixed up. They might have been there too. Who those, knows? Those, those damn kids. I get them all. It's, just, it's all blurry to me at this age. <laughs> I, I posted a reel on our on our uh, Instagram the other day, and Lindsay from the Only Brandy and Lindsay podcast. Um, she it was with a filter. You know, I I it was I had like head these like neon headphones and I just thought it was cool. And then my voice was changed in the filter. It was just neat. And I was just telling people because I just. But was talking about podcast and pours too, and we're getting somewhere. We're almost, you know, to a point where we can start to release details and all that stuff. And I was very excited. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'll, I'll do a quick video for everybody for the two peers. 
And, and I was like, I saw that you could do all these filters at the bottom. So I didn't know that before. So I did it and put it out. And Lindsay comments goes, why, why did why do you have this like creepy robot voice or something? And I responded back with, because I'm 47 and I just discovered filters on reels. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm doing this creepy, weird voice thing. <laughs> why did everybody have the, the dog nose and the dog ears when Snapchat first came out? Yeah, tell her, Nate. <laughs> Give her some shit. Boom. It, now, would this story be different if the guy that's whining about not being able to have his gun at Music Midtown was a diehard Music Midtown fan, and he came across and said, look, with the world we live in now, uh, I'm just, I, I, I go every year, I enjoy this festival, but I fear for my safety, and because what the law states, I should be able to carry my gun, and I'm going to fight you on this. It, it, I think it would have different connotation if that's with if that were the case. Well, I think if he was saying that, and I would assume the type of guy he this guy is, he would say, "Well, then just don't fucking go. You don't have to go." You know, that's kind of the mindset. You know, especially during the pandemic, it was like if people are upset that people weren't wearing masks, always the argument was, "Well, just don't go there. You don't have to go there. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't go to the gym. Don't go to this place." You know, so. I think if it was the other way around, people would just say, well, you don't have to go if you don't feel safe. Yeah, but for his argument, is like, oh, man, I'm a diehard fan, and I've been following my chemical romance and MCR for life, and, you know, he, he was just so excited, and now, but he was terrified for his safety. I think it would, would be a little bit different. Yes, I agree that the, just don't, I, I still say the same thing with it written the way it is. Just shut up and don't go. You know, and, and knowing that you don't go, just shut up. What the fuck are you doing? What's your, what's your point, dickhead? You know, because now what I'd like to see now, this would be an interesting twist is to see gun owners and pro gun rights. People say, look, dude, this is a little out of control. Like we need to compromise in this whole thing. So shut up because we'd like to go enjoy the festival and we want to bring some money into the economy and we want to make sure these people have some money in their pocket. You know, you're not even a part of this crew. This isn't your scene. Get out of here. And and that's what I'd like to see. You know, kind of like what we're seeing a little bit, whether it's real or not, I don't know, with some of the Republicans that voted against the new vet bill that John Stewart is ripping them apart on, rightfully so, you know, Ted Cruz is a fucking idiot. That guy is a moron. You know, yeah. nothing has changed in this bill. This is all politics. This is all, hey, we have the power. We're going to do what we want to do. You know, when he's trying to claim that the, the, the that there's been all this stuff added and stuff, when it really, there's nothing but that. It's, it's just very simple. We need to take care of our veterans, especially the ones that were exposed to these chemicals in the burden pit scenarios. You know, it goes back to Vietnam with the Agent Orange. It goes to 9-11 with uh, the, you know, the firefighters. And, and, and that's another thing John Stewart has always fought for is the, the heroes of 9-11, the firefighters and the police people and, 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 and the EMTs and the first responders and all those people that got all that, that bad chemical toxic stuff from, toxin stuff from the airplanes. That end up getting cancer, or they need mental health um, uh, assistance because of PTSD, and which was very, very real. Because I know people 
that took their own lives that were first responders post 9-11 because of what they saw. You can't imagine the feeling of trying to save lives as bodies were falling around you. Just think about that for a second. Knowing that your country is under attack and you don't know what's next and you're just going off of fumes and instinct and you're dodging people falling 50, 60 plus stories. Come on. You know, these people need help, right? John Stewart fought for him and he did a good job, right? I'm a John sure. Stewart fan. I like John Stewart. And, uh, and then so recently he goes out and uh, confronts one of the Republicans, I forget his name, that, that voted no on it. The, 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 the guy did, a, I thought, politically wise, did a really good job of diffusing the situation and talking about compromise. Now, whether it's real or not, if you look at the second part of the video that was posted, it's him, John Stewart, and a veteran. And John Stewart's like, mm-hmm, okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I overreacted a little bit because I went after you, but we're not buddies. Stop trying to play that we're buddies. And the politician guy's like, you know, me and John Stewart, we're in this, and we're going to get this vote changed, and we're going to do this. And John's like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. But half those people probably uh, that John Stewart's fighting for think that John's, you know, at, at some point in time, John Stewart was full of shit with something that he said. It's only when it works for you are you a fan of somebody, no matter what their political beliefs are, right? You could be a diehard Democrat and fall in love with a Republican as long as it suits you. That's all you're thinking about. That's all these people are thinking about. Nobody's thinking about other people. Nobody cares, you know, and everybody's so worked up of being so party affiliated versus you should be human affiliated, common sense affiliated. If I were to start my own party, it'd be the common sense party. It, 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 you, we would have issues that satisfy people on the right and satisfy people on the left. And that's just human nature. That's just how it should work. Not based on yeah. what I believe, you know, just based off of what we should believe, right? Like, yeah. take care of each other. Well, and, you know, a lot of these bills, I I think, left or right, I don't think these guys fucking read these things. No. Like, some of them are like 200, 500 pages. This sounds like they didn't understand the bill. They didn't read it. They probably had some intern read it and then said, hey, give me the cliff notes, and the guy probably fucked up or something because it just seems there's no way that these people know this stuff inside and out. And it sounds like Ted Cruz got caught, and he does, he's trying to defend himself and, and backpedal to not look stupid like that I don't understand the job that I'm doing or understand the bills I'm voting for. So, yeah, he's not looking good right now. No, and, and that's why you get that pressure from people like John Stewart because they know the inside uh, workings of how these things work. And that means that if you call them out publicly and you've got juice like he does and cameras are going to follow you and you have a social media following and you can call them out on their bullshit, you're making them work. You're making them do what they should be doing for a living. And I know for a fact how it works on that floor. I've, I've known people that have been on that floor on both sides of the aisle. And the one common denominator was, yeah, it's all about deals. It's all about, they don't read, you're right, they don't read that shit, but it's all about deals. It's all about somebody coming up to you and say, hey, I need you to give me a yay on this one, and I'll tell you what, I'll back you next year on, on your thing. So that's it's all it's about, you know, because it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't li- I mean, you can see who yayed and nayed it, but for the most part, it's just, Number of yays, number of nays, right? And very yeah. few people do the research. 
And the guy probably coming to him trying to make the deal. He's like, well, you know what they're doing with this. They're trying to sneak in this blah, blah, blah. And so he's just getting some hearsay information, I'm sure. And, you know, nobody does their due diligence. Mm-mm, not at all. So now so I, I saw a comment on this Music Midtown thread that somebody said that this is smokescreen for low ticket sales. Now, um, there, there are, there, that, that's not a crazy theory. Uh, I don't know if it would work with this one because Music Midtown always does well. Um, I, I, I can't remember ever having a conversation with Peter Conlon and him saying, you know, like we just barely made it with ticket sales or something like that. I mean, every time that I've been, you know, and I've been a few times, it's, it's always a, a good crowd. I'm sure they always want more. I don't think that's an issue with this. Uh, I could be wrong. It's not a crazy theory. I j- j- just the I actually know the person that said it on the common thread on social media, and mm-hmm. I'm like, and I know what they believe in. So I think that was a keyboard reaction type of post of of just uh, got through like three lines in the article and it was like fucking low ticket sales, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, because this has been—they've been doing this for twenty-five years, and I, I think they probably know the trends of buying tickets. I—I I doubt they would try to do this a month and a half out because I—I would assume the last month before a festival is probably their high because people are like, "Oh man, it's here! Let's let's get some tickets. Let's get a group together." And I, I just can't see them like coming up with this lie to to do that. It doesn't seem yeah, true. That, that's what I was going to say. A, a month this this soon to the show, I mean, if you're going to do this, you're going to pull the trigger because every day is money. So you're going to do this probably sooner than later. You know, now, if it were early July and this were the case, then maybe I, I could buy into it a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a Peter Conlon fan and he's a legit dude. And he's, uh, he, he's, he, he's just a, he's just a good guy. He's just a legit guy. Yeah. Well, and really like, there's no, like where else would they, they couldn't move it anywhere. Cause what else has a big outdoor space like that? That isn't public property, you know, that's set up for something with facilities and everything. Somebody suggested, Hey, somebody said on our, our social media said, Hey Bailey, new location for uh, podcast and pours two is opened up. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some bands. <laughs> maybe we could do like a mini music midtown and have uh, a cover band of one of the bands that we're actually going to perform. You know, my, my, my chemical Bromance. Bromance. <laughs> yeah, my <like> chemical <laughs> bromance. <laughs> Come out, guys. Music. It's not the not so much music midtown podcast and pours too. <laughs> September, blah, blah, blah. And we have one band, my chemical bromance. Really good dudes. <laughs> back to the future instead of future. <laughs> yeah. Back to the future. Uh my fall down boy is gonna be here as well. We should come out and see him. Yeah. Weekday instead of weekend. He'll be here. Yeah, that's great, too. They're, they're all Three chains. <laughs> Three chains. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Brandon, you find that funny, right? That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. You're not a music Midtown guy, are you? No, never been. I'm really not a music festival or a concert kind of person anyway. Do you think, See, that, I- do you think that they should be able to, people should be able to bring guns to concerts? 
Uh, you know, it's probably not the greatest idea, but at the same time, <laughs> if the law says you can bring it, it's like, I'm just following the law, man. I mean, what, what you mad at me about? Yeah, but that's the problem is that's what, that is what the law says. But there's a lot of things that, that laws say on a state, on a state level. I mean, I'm not asking you what the law says. I'm asking you, do you agree with, like, would you feel comfortable knowing that you can carry at a concert? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't personally carry cause I know I get drunk and I'd, I lose my phone all the time, so I probably don't need to be losing a gun or, you know, <laughs> one well, more thing I got to keep up with. But well, that, if other people want to do it, I'd be fine with it. I mean, that <clears throat> the bad guys are going to bring guns in either way. Exactly. So th- that's the other thing I was going to say is, like, has this guy ever been to a festival? Like, why would you want to bring a gun? Like, you try to bring as little as possible to a festival. Like, you, you barely wear clothes to a festival because you don't want to have any responsibilities. And you want to fucking bring a gun? Which has to go in a holster. What are you going to do? Are you going to walk around in fatigues? That's crazy. You know, in September in Georgia, it's hot as balls. You know, so I, I don't think, I, I now I'm starting to assume that this is an older guy. Like, older, yeah. older guy. You know, that's just like, man, fuck this shit. We're going to take them all down, the damn hippies. Fucking, yeah. fucking hippie libtards are listening to that fucking devil music. We're going to get them. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, Brandon, I would think you would like uh, Music Midtown because they all always have like good rap artists there. Oh, I'm sure I would. Yeah, I just I don't know. Never been. Yeah, yeah. That's your that's your style. I'm I'm kind of past my festival days. I, I I'm not. Yeah, and that's why people always bitch about the lineups because it's not aimed at you. It's not aimed at people that want. I mean, not you personally, but like people that want to be in bed by 8 p.m. and you know it's everything's too loud and get off my you know get off my shoes or whatever. A festival is a whirlwind of a party that lasts all weekend. You're getting pushed from one place. Oh, now we're going to this stage and it's a crowd and everybody's squished together and you're drunk and it's it's uh, everybody sweating on each other it's an experience that's typically for younger people and, and, it, and it's just, it's supposed to bring you together yeah you know i mean the 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 facade that woodstock the original woodstock was that love and peace and all this stuff but what they don't tell you about woodstock of how much of a clusterfuck it was and how actually violent it it became and, you know, even in six, you know, was it 69, the, the rapes and the, the beatings. And I think there were some deaths. I mean, there's a lot of shitty things. It, it, overall, people are like, oh, the sunflowers and it's the music and we love each other and we're naked, to, but nobody's grabbing me. No, 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 no. It was not so much the case. We're just disgusting things, us human beings. I don't care what era you were in. It, it was pretty violent. And then you get the Woodstocks in the 90s. They were clusterfucks. I mean, they were really violent and way out of hand. Uh, but that's what happens when you run out of water or then it starts to dr- uh, downpour with too much water. You know, and, and the structure's not good and security's not good. And, and, then, and then you get Limp Bizkit to, you know, roll up the fans and goes, let's do break stuff because everybody's fucking <laughs> miserable right now. Let's tear this motherfucker apart. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these festivals, they, 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 they get pretty bad, but music midtown, what I've observed and, and I'm walking around too, I'm not just in one area. So I, 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 I'm an observant person. Everything looks cool to me. There's t- the thing with music midtown is there's a lot of space. Piedmont park is huge. Yeah. So if you want to be in the crowd, you can be in the crowd, but if you don't want to be in the crowd, you don't have to be in the crowd. That's what's exactly. great about the concert or the festival. 
Anyone. Well, and I wonder what the, cause they, they do other festivals as well. I wonder if that's going to fuck with all those. Cause don't they, what else does, uh, Peter put on? I thought he had some other, well, they did, they had shaky beats. I don't know if they still do it. They had shaky boots. Um, but I don't know what still goes on. Yeah. Does I, he do shaky knees? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you're talking about live nation. Yeah. Or Peter yeah, yeah. Conlon. Because Peter Conlon, pre-Live Nation, started Music Midtown. I don't... Right. I don't... Is is Music Midtown, I guess, considered a Live Nation event, or is it a Peter Conlon event? That the uh, tickets you can purchase through Live Nation. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's Live Nation. I think it I is, mean, too. It's not, they have their own standalone website, but it's not... Um, it's not like... Uh, Live Nation slash dart.com slash Music Midtown or anything like that. Yeah. Boom. No more, no more Music Midtown for right now because you got to have your guns. It's crazy. It's just weird. I wonder how, I wonder how that person feels today. Probably proud. Probably accomplished. Yeah. Accomplished. Very good word. <laughs> he did what he wanted to do. So, right. He's like, got yeah, that. Look what I did. Look what I did. Was it, you think he's bragging about it? I mean, you, oh, like, totally. Well, like they just had the um, the guy that was the first one to go to trial from the January sixth thing, and he he like he even kind of said went during his sentencing because um, he got sentenced to seven years, and he said you know he's like I wanted to be a big deal, I wanted you know money for my family and stuff like that, but now I realize I was just being a fucking idiot or whatever. You know, he's trying to apologize after the fact, but he he started upset. He's like I, I thought it made me a big deal or made me important or whatever. So people like. To be able, just like people doing SWATs, like uh, when they, isn't that what's called, Brandon? When they call in the SWAT team, swatting. Oh yeah, swatting. Yeah, yeah. They they want to see themselves on the. What was that documentary where the guy was the swatter? Mm-hmm. He's I, like the theme. Yeah. We just watched it. We talked about it recently. Yeah, it uh, it's it's some it's part of a series like lies something internet yeah, right? truth truth lies in the internet or something like that. Right. But yeah, that's what all those people do. They they just want to be in same thing with school shooters or, or mass shooters or whatever, they all just want to feel important. And well, uh, it's just the, that me, to, uh, you know, with the internet and everything, everybody wants to be famous and known and, and make a mark on the world. Well, I, I said this a lot during the pandemic on the, on the radio show when we were doing it is, you know, be careful, you know, and, and even during the, 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 when things are getting really heated with the black lives matter and, and a lot of the stuff in the Trump era, I would tell people, be careful, be careful getting caught up in the, in today's emotion, because you're going to most likely regret it down the road. Um, I, I under, I get, I get getting caught up in things. I get wanting to change the world for better in your eyes or what you think is the right way to do it. You feel like that's your calling. You feel justified, just like those fucking idiots with uh that were protesting you know uh, with the black lives matter stuff they felt justified spitting in cops faces and throwing molotov cocktails at, at police officers when they weren't the guy in minnesota right and you knew nothing about them that's bullshit you know but you're caught up in the emotion and you feel justified the insurrection 
Those people got caught up in the emotion and felt justified. Now you look at every single one of those people, whether it's one of the Black Lives Matter protesters that were throwing Molotov cocktails at cop cars that got arrested and then were tried, or these uh, dumbasses at the uh, insurrection that got caught. What are they all doing? They're all apologizing. They're all saying, I'm sorry. Uh, Do I believe that they're sorry? Absolutely. Because now the emotion has left them. They've got to settle down and think it through, which they did not do before, and they got caught up in it. That's a weak-minded individual. People that react off of emotion at that specific time are weak-minded people. They have no control over themselves and their brain. Their emotions control that, which means that anyone can manipulate them. Anyone, including me, and I'm a pretty damn good manipulator. I, you could, if you do this, say the right things and do the right things and cater to them, you can control them, and that's what you do, and that's what happens. Is is you get a guy that knows how to manipulate a mass group of people, Hitler, for example. Fucking, he he convinced these people he was God, you know, any cult leader, God, you know. Um, and, and that's that, but, but you get caught up in the emotion. I remember telling people, I'm like, no matter what you believe today, take a physical step back and, and realize what you're saying, who you're saying it to, what you're doing and what you're, who, whom you're doing it to, because there's a very good chance down the road, you're going to regret it. When you lose that relationship with your wife, your husband, your kids, your father, your mother, your best friend, your boss, your coworkers, whatever the case may be, just based off of what you believe that day. You know, I mean, is it worth it? Is it worth arguing about politics to your brother or your dad or your mother and dissolving a relationship over someone that doesn't give a flying fuck about you? I'm not talking parties here, people. I'm just talking a person in office. It's not worth it. Now, you can have a conversation on what you believe, and they might believe something totally different and then try to understand each other and maybe agree to disagree, still love each other, hug each other, kiss each other, and walk away. But you don't have to go fucking shoot somebody. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to shank somebody. You don't have to blow somebody up. You don't have to spit in their face. You know, act right. Common sense. Bailey, 2024. That's what I'm running for. I'm running president. Somebody, I like it. Somebody suggested on a social media I should be president. Said we need a president with Jason's mentality. I think there was a reply back that says, "No, we don't." <laughs> <laughs> should put your name on there. Does it cost a lot of money? To just put your name on the ballot, maybe for uh, governor. I don't know. That would be interesting because you know the old radio bit was to run for a public office while you're on the radio and then you know get a bunch of attention like Howard did. Yeah, And back in the day, and he probably would have won, but you can't do that because of the political rules in within radio under the FCC guidelines. I don't know what it's like for podcasting, you know? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, they're not regulated, so I wouldn't think so. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You don't have to have that uh, fair airtime, whatever it is. And it's like, well, if you've got this person, you have to at least invite that person, that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, you should do it. That'd be fun. I mean, it's like those um, best radio personality in, you know, Detroit. And it's always like, it's somebody that's not actually the best. Ra- it's always like uh, the intern of some show that just put his own name on there or something that ends up winning. 
Brandon, we should put you on there. You you have a cool last name. I think it, usually uh, with uh, voting, if people don't know who anybody is, they'll just go with the, the coolest last name or the first name or funny name. Right. I mean, they yeah, see Thrasher on there. Fuck, Governor Thrasher? Fuck yeah, I'm voting for that guy. If but you, how old do you got to be for governor? Is it 35 also? I don't hmm. know. That's a good question. In the South, all you have to do is have the last name White, and you probably win every office. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to. You don't even have to go out there and 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 do your thing. You just fucking have your name on the like. What's this office? Oh, White, absolutely. I'm taking that. Yeah, and he can do a commercial with the uh, the Mexican federales with their guns. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't keep my uh, daughter safe, I'm gonna send your boyfriend over the border. Here it is. Well, the problem <laughs> the problem is now is is anyone I don't care what office they're gonna run for, they're gonna have a digital footprint that's not gonna be clean. It, yeah. It, it, going forward, there's not going to be one starting with Gen Xers, you know, which will be my generation is currently and soon to be the next generation of taking control. There's not going to, I mean, and, and we're part of that. We're part of the, the, the tech era. I mean, we, we're the pioneers of it. And so, like, especially when, at the beginning, when we didn't know anything about a digital footprint. Hell yeah, dick pic, fuck yeah, putting that on my space. <laughs> like, <laughs> not a problem, dude. <laughs> no one's ever going to know it's my dick, even though it's on my space. <laughs> I'm reading in uh, Georgia, to be governor, you have to be 30 years old. Um, you have to be a resident of Georgia for at least six years and American citizen citizen for 15 years. Hmm. You might want to start out slow. You might want to start out as mayor of Noonan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably age limit on that too, right? Probably 30. Oh, I think you can be young. I've seen, I mean, isn't there some town in like Kansas and like a dog got elected mayor or something yeah. of some little tiny town? There, there, there's a mayor that's like 18 years old in some small town. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's an age limit. You'd probably be two and be a mayor. May, a lot of mayors for small towns have other jobs too. A buddy who, I think Jeff Triplett is still the mayor of Sanford. And I mean, he made, you know, worldwide the attention because of the Trayvon Martin stuff that happened in Sanford some years ago, but uh, he's a good dude. And, and and he's, he also works at the bank, you know? And and I I always wonder, like, can you, like, would your job fire you if you were also the mayor of the town? Because you're working and isn't that a conflict of interest? Like you're the mayor, but you're also working for someone else. Like you work for, you know, SunTrust and yeah, like that's just yeah, I don't know. yeah. I, I think most mayors work somewhere else. They're like it's always like being a mayor, and especially in smaller towns, is like a side job because it doesn't pay very much. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess there would be some depending on what it was, what the issue was. But yeah, I can see some conflict of interest there if you're helping or if you're voting on zoning certain land and maybe you own that property next to it or something like that. I could be mayor of Roswell, Georgia. And it'll say professional podcaster, inventor of my court caddy, entrepreneur Jason Bailey throws his name in the hat to become mayor of Roswell, Georgia. He says, quote unquote, we're going to fix that shit where the old grill company used to be because it's a pain in my ass when I drive down the street. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) Midterms come up here soon, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Come make sure you go to the library and vote. Uh, all right, uh, so there's that. A nice conversation about guns and music midtown being canceled and where you should carry guns and all that good stuff. All right, let's talk to our guests, shall we? Hold up. Wait a minute. 
Let's hear from our sponsors. Look, my wife sells houses for a living, and she always tells her clients that are selling their house, if you want to upgrade your property value, you got to do something with the kitchen and or the bath. And you don't have to be selling your house to upgrade the kitchen and bath. It's just something nice to do, and it upgrades the property value tremendously. That's why I'm telling you about UCI Kitchen and Bath, which has been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator, plus installer for the past 20 years, servicing all of Georgia, parts of Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. It is a one-stop shop for you. You can pop into their showroom in Norcross, Georgia, and you can see their design team, meet their design team, and watch how they'll transform your kitchen and bathroom into this beautiful and functional environment to fit your personality, right? Uh, Plus all the latest trends. They've got displays there. So it might give you some good ideas. It's a one-stop shop. As I said, UCI Kitchen and Bath also provides installation, whatever you buy. Let's save you some cash. Mention the BS. You get 10% off regular-priced countertops. So save some money. Mention the Bailey Show podcast, 10% off Regular price countertops. UCIGranite.com. David Hawks of Rockland Contracting's phone has been ringing off the hook from you two percenters that want a new deck design and build. Well, that's a good thing, and David Hawks welcomes all those phone calls. He's tied up, really. He's slammed, but he's going to get you in some point or another. You just got to give David Hawks a call at Rockland Contracting and see when he can get you in. You know, things change. Schedules change. 678-879-3867. He is also hiring. He's paying pretty good if you've got experience with deck design and or build. Also, remember, specializes in basement remodel, new HVAC installation, uh, interior and exterior painting. So he's bringing your vision to life to stay within your budget. He's got this amazing software where you'll see your brand new deck before it's even built. RocklandContractingLLC.com. That's RocklandContractingLLC.com. Or call 678-879-3867. Look, I know what it's like to start up a small business and run a small business. That's what this is. What can you do to take the next step? Create Graphics can help you out with that. They're a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, and they've got some really good ones in-house. Wide format printing and graphic installation. Specializing, again, in vehicle wraps, corporate events, interior and exterior events, graphic design, and apparel. A lot of the stuff of the BS Podcast, if not all the stuff, comes from Create Graphics. CreateGraphics.net. That's C-R-E-A-T-E-G-R-A-P-H-I-X.net. Or 770-369-9962. That's 770-369-9962. Serving Metro Atlanta and shipping worldwide. Create Graphics. They definitely know what they're doing. Excellent customer service and communication in every project will get a one-on-one experience from start to finish. Again, create graphics with an X.net. Son of a bitch. I'll be loving you forever, just as long as you subscribe to The Bailey Show. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. It is an absolute treat. It is an honor. We are so lucky right now to have not only Racing Royalty on our show, but just a a great human being. I mean, like, (laughs) take all that other stuff aside. And just to talk to a great human being every now and again is, is, is amazing. His book, Kyle Petty, Swerve or Die. 
an insider account in the history of the NASCAR world from one of its biggest stars, of course, that is racing royalty, the son of NASCAR's winningest driver ever, the grandson of one of the sport's true pioneers, the nephew of uh, the very first Hall of Fame engine builder. It's a lot to live up to, Kyle. <laughs> God almighty. There's a, I will say this. There's a lot of greatness in our family. It might have skipped a generation or two with me, but there's a lot of greatness in this family. What, what is that? I mean, uh, you see this in, in, in wrestling and in, in, in other sports and Hollywood and this and that. You grow into a family. Sports, it, it's always the apple has fallen way too far from the tree. And the son, the grandson, the nephew, whatever the bloodline is, is never able to match up to what their father or grandfather did. But the pressure as a young man and you being around racing at such a young age, that must have just played a huge part of anxiety in your life, didn't it? You know, it it probably should have. Um, It probably should have. This was the first indicator that I might have been a little bit off and my DNA may have been a little (laughs) bit strange Um, because it didn't, it it didn't. And I think, I think the reason being this, I think the reason being this, um, my grandfather had won a a lot of races and won three championships and, and forever Richard Petty was Lee Petty's little boy, Mm -hmm. Lee Petty's son. That's, that's the way they referred to him. He was not Richard Petty. He was not the King. He was in the shadow of of Lee Petty. Um, And then as Richard Petty came along, Obviously, I was in that shadow, and as Adam came along after me, then obviously that shadow was cast even farther. But the thing was, I was able to see very early on that Lee Petty and Richard Petty were two totally individual people. They didn't approach racing the same. They didn't look at life the same. Uh, They were two individuals. So that allowed me to be an individual. That allowed me to not say, I've got to copy my grandfather. I've got to, to, to copy my dad. I want to emulate them. I want to be like them. I want to look up to them. They're my heroes. Um, but we all don't. We, we Listen, very few times do we ever live up to our heroes' expectations or what our heroes have done. That's why they're heroes. Uh, they're special people. And, and I look at my grandfather and my grandpa and my father that way. Um, and you just go out and do the best you can. And that's, that's you know, if you, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, my profile says, just Kyle. Doesn't say Kyle Page. It says, just Kyle. Uh, and, and I've been very, very fortunate that somewhere in my head, I've been able to live as just Kyle all this time. And, and if you look at, you know, all of your accolades and, and your resume, you know, you're not only just a racer or a driver, um, but also in the music world and, you know, done, you've done a lot of things. And, 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 and it, to me as an outsider and as a fan looking in, I'm going, okay, you're, you're the petty that said, okay, yeah, I could get into the family business, but I'm kind of the black sheep. I want to do some other stuff. You know, and at another early age, um, I don't want to get to be 100 years old uh, and be that guy at the nursing home um, when they're all sitting around telling stories and somebody says, um, man, I had a chance to, to fly in an airplane and do loops or do aerobatics, and everybody looks around and I got my hand raised did that. Um, and that, you know, when they say, man, I had a chance to ride a bull one time and I didn't ride it. Did that. I get it. I had a chance to fly around the world on the Concord, but I didn't take it. Did that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want to be that guy that, that lived. I want to be that guy that lived. Um, and listen, I, I, there's, there's that old saying, and, and I, I just swear, just heard this the other day. There's that old saying, 
um, jack of all trades, master of none. Mm. Okay. And, but that's only the first part of the saying. I didn't realize that was the only the first part of the saying. It's jack of all trades, master of none, but I'd rather know a lot of trades than just know one. Um, and that's the rest of the saying. And for me, that was me. I would rather know a lot of trades. I'd like to, I just want to try things. I'm not afraid. And if you read the book, I'm not afraid to fail. Um, I'm more afraid not to try. And I think I, I probably got a little bit of that from my mom. Uh, it's okay to stand up and, and make a fool of yourself or do whatever you want to do. As long as you're, you're enjoying it. And as long as you believe in what you're doing, then you're okay. Who told you the rest of the saying? Cause that's the first I've ever heard it. So now w- w- when it comes up and I get to finish it, I want to say, Oh, my buddy, Kyle Petty told me the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's one of those crazy TV shows where they have celebrities and they're trying to guess different. I can't remember what, which one it was, but it's one of those crazy where everything's funny. But when they said it, it just struck me. Uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's the rest of the saying. And and they say it's always been used as a negative connotation, but it's more of a positive saying when you get it. I, I listen. I looked it up on Twitter or, or excuse me, on Google or, or one of those, and it's there. I promise you, it's there. <laughs> it's real. Now, th- this this carefree, spontaneous attitude, which. You know, it's funny. We talk about it. Uh, actually, Nate and I are, are not only coworkers, but we we go back as friends. And he's that guy. You know, that's one of the reasons why he moved to Mexico. He lives life to its fullest, uh, and and I'm more tight. You know, I I'm I'm a planner. I'm an organizer, and and I probably don't live my actually I don't live my life to its fullest. And as you get older, that mindset kind of changes as you experience certain things in life. That it changes. I. Just talked to yeah. a buddy of mine that has testicular cancer, and and, and we had that conversation. Um, when you lost Adam, was that the 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 change? Were you a different man before that, and then afterwards you kind of adopted this "I want to do everything" attitude? I think that was the final the final blow, um, the final nail. Um, I was, um, you know, and and as you if. if in the book, I talk about my uncle Randy. My uncle Randy was was five years older than I was. Um, he was my mother's younger brother, and we were more like brothers um, because we just we grew up together. I, you know, like I said, he was five years old when I was born. He, I was five. He was ten. I was ten. He was fifteen. I looked up to him. Um, and then he was killed in a in a pit road accident on pit road. Uh, he, he was in my dad's pit crew, and he was killed in a pit road accident on pit road. I grew up going to racetracks. Uh, playing with kids in the infield and their mom would come and get them because it had been an accident and I would never see that kid again because mm-hmm. his father had been killed during a race. Um, when I was in, in junior high, I had a friend who was hit on a bicycle and killed. So I think death turns you in a certain direction. And, and I think after you get to, if, if it adds up, um, it, you, you realize, you know, that, listen, it could be tomorrow. It could be tomorrow. Uh, you could be the healthiest person in the world. You could have cancer. It, it doesn't make any difference. So if I've only got 15 minutes left, I'm going to pack everything in that 15 minutes. And that's kind of the way I look at life. I've got 15 minutes left. Every morning when I get up, I've got 15 minutes left. i got to make something happen in that 15 minutes. Uh, I get accused of drinking a lot of coffee because I go wide open all the time. But I feel like I, I want to make a memory. I want to make a memory for me. I want to make a memory for you. I want to make something happen. I want to tell a story. Um, strangest things happen to me, but I, I think you put yourself in that position and, uh, that's life that you just are able to observe and able to live. So I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. 
What's the last thing your wife said? You know, honey, let's back off this one. Let's slow it down a little bit. (laughs) I can't believe you say that because I just turned in front of a guy at a stoplight and she said, could you have not waited just another (laughs) second? Could you have not waited? And I'm like, no, it's just in my DNA. I got to (laughs) go. I knew I could make it. I knew I was safe. Now to her, it didn't look safe. And probably to have all my kids in the car, it was not safe, okay? But for me, in my mind, it was just another turn across a, across a lane of traffic and head on down the highway. <laughs> Can you imagine telling Kyle Petty to slow down? <laughs> just a, I get told a lot. I get told that a lot, though. It's an oxymoron, though. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so again, going back to the book, um, Swerve or Die, Life at My Speed in the First Family of NASCAR Racing. I, I got to tell you, and thank you for sending me a, a copy of this book. Um, the picture on the front, you look like a head football coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's what happened. And here's where the picture's from. Now I will tell you where the picture's from. Um, it is, is when when my son started driving, when, when Adam started driving, um, then I would go to the racetrack and I would be with him a lot. And, and I was still driving. Uh, but after his accident, um, then I took on a little bit different role at, at, at Petty Enterprises. Um, I had more of a CEO. I was still driving the race car. Um, but I always wore a hat with a 45 and a black line through it um, in, in memory of Adam. And honestly, on the book, they thought that was a little bit too, um, too bold a statement with the black line, and they didn't want it portrayed that way. So they, they took that out. And then when they took that out, you're right. I looked like, oh my gosh, man, I could be a football coach. I could be a coach on the sideline because I am looking stern and looking out across there. Um, but that, but but that that that's what was on the hat. So it's it's the hat's a little out of context in some ways, but hey, it's it is what it is. I, listen, at least I put a picture on the cover of my book that was taken in the last four or five years of my life. Mm-hmm. Not like a lot of people who put a picture on it when they were like thirteen or fourteen, and it's like. Man, that guy didn't look like that at all anymore, man. That's oh. he's aged. It's like I went ahead and aged myself on the book. No, it's an epidemic, Kyle. We <laughs> we know somebody that uh, recently they always use a picture from like twenty years ago. Yeah. Like what yeah. are you? What are you doing? You don't look anything hey, like yeah. that. It's like it's like the tender of books. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> oh man, I want to buy this baby. I'm hot. I'm hot. Buy. You, you, you got that Billy Bob Thornton look going a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you know what? Really, it, that, that's so funny. I've I've had a couple of people come and tell me that, and every time they tell me that, I'm like, who? Who are you talking to? I said, I got I got a, a cousin named Ray Bob, and I got a cousin named. <laughs> Bill, Bill Joe, you know, and stuff like that. And I'll just go with him a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, I got you, I got you. So, so does the entire Petty family, uh, the lineage of the Petties all live in North Carolina? Okay, so here's what happened. Um, and I don't get into this in the book. But here's what happened. My grandfather ran away from home when he was seven or eight. They lived just up the road from, from where we live now in Level Cross. And um, he, he ran away, and he lived with his grandparents. And then he married my grandmother, um, and he had a couple of brothers, two or three brothers, Julian and, and Bob and, and a couple of brothers. And he had a couple of sisters and they, one moved to Maryland. So, but that's as far as my lineage goes. I don't know any other family. I, I get people that are last name Petty and they, and they come up and they're like, Hey, you know, we're, we're kin to you. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to be kin to Tom Petty. You okay? That, that's as far as <laughs> yeah, I want to go. Outside of, outside of my little circle, I just want to go to Tom Petty. That's it. But 
I have no idea and I've never had a desire to even care. I tell people I've got, I had an uncle, a grandmother and grandfather. I had an uncle and, and, and three or four cousins on that side. And I've got three sisters and that's about as far as I go. And I can, I know where all the grandkids are and where all the cousins are. And that's, as, that's it. It's about this much. There's this many of us, but we all live in the, they, until I moved to Charlotte, really, we all lived within about eight or 10 miles of each other. Yeah, and I, I, I spent some time in Wingate, which is, you know, just a, a hop, skip, and a jump from from Charlotte. Played football at Wingate College for a couple years. And I know you, back in back in your your, your day, you spent a couple uh, weeks at a camp at Wingate, right? I mean, this is, this is I didn't think Wingate went back that far, to be honest with you. Yeah, oh, man, that hurts me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we went to, I went to Wingate. That was my first away-from-home camp. Uh, there was a coach named Vic Bubis, and I think he coached over in Duke or somewhere in uh, I went to coach, I went to school to camp there. It was a sports camp, all sports. Uh, and I, I loved basketball, man. I loved basketball. I had at that, at that time, I probably had a four inch vertical jump, but man, I was, I, I felt like I was up there. I was up there. So, um, I, I went to camp and I, I lasted about a day in basketball. And then there were some, uh, good looking young ladies that were taking tennis. So I switched my major to tennis for that week <laughs> and I was terrible for a couple of days at tennis and i ended the week in football and got absolutely nothing out of the camp because I switched from one, one sport to another that maybe that's where that master, our Jack of all Full trades trade. came through, uh, from the very beginning. I should have recognized that early on because I went through three sports within a week and just kind of Played at it, but it was fun. Did, did did you ever get back in? I'm a tennis guy. I just hosted the uh, big tennis tournament here in Atlanta. I play like four times a week. Uh, I'd like to invite you over for some tennis, Kyle, if you're still playing, or did we give it up? Uh, listen, I gave it up when I was eight, dude. Oh, okay. I, gave it, I gave it up when I was eight. I walked uh, away. Damn. I walked away. I've played a couple of times since then, um, but I'm not I'm not good. My wife's family is phenomenal. Um, at tennis, I, I will I will say that Morgan's family is uh, their lineage in tennis goes way back. Uh, so they they play a lot. Her her, I think her, gr- her great uncle was uh, the athletic director and the head tennis coach at the University of Tennessee. Uh. So I mean I'm I'm talking legit tennis like you play. You know they no. like all the time. Not not like me. I can't even play table tennis. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I'm terrible, man. I was going to say, dude, we can, you know, we can play, and uh, and if I win, I would get an autographed Kyle Petty Hot Wheels car. You know, number, you know, just because that that was that deal you had with Hot Wheels, I thought was just ingenious, and I and I did a little research on it. That was actually that was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so let, let me let me. I will send you a Hot Wheels car. Uh, not to have to play tennis. Okay, that, that, <laughs> that's the, you know I mean, that, that, that's a better deal. Listen, I tell people, I tell people, I cut that deal. We cut that deal with Hot Wheels, um, and it was it was very traumatic experience because I'd had so many spankings in my life with pieces of Hot Wheels tracks. Mm. Uh, my mom would would take that little piece of rubber Hot Wheels track and just pop my rear end when I was bad. Yep. So it, was, it was pretty traumatic to go back to that later in life, but. You know the Hollows car was fun. The two, for my for my time in the sport, the two coolest cars um, that I had a chance to drive. When I and listen from the inside, you can't see what the car is painted like. You don't care. Uh, but that mellow yellow car that I drove for Coca Cola and drove with Felix, uh, that 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 was my car, man. And then when Hot Wheels came along and had an opportunity to do that, it just opened the door for a lot of kids. Uh, and that was the deal. It drew a lot of kids to our sport. 
Um, and that, that changed, uh, little boys, little girls. It didn't make any difference, man. You, you had that hot wheels car, you had that track, uh, you did the loop, the loop. That was the whole deal. So that was, that was a special, special thing. Do you remember your 2003 Martinsville Dodge Intrepid number 45 car with American flag paint scheme? Yeah. 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 My buddy. Yeah, we, we, you know, we run the, we run the American flag a couple of times with uh, PVA paralyzed veterans of America um, and, and marathon oil. They, they did a lot of stuff. Um, you know, there were some cool, we've had some cool paint jobs. Um, most of the time I tore them off on a wall somewhere. Um, and, and ruined them. But, you know, they started the race cool. That, that's the main thing. I got some steel pictures of them that were pretty cool. My buddy owns it. Oh, no way. Yeah, he bought it at Ryan Sieg's race shop. Oh, oh no way, man. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. That is crazy, man. What's he do with it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just learned about it last night because he's a big, you know, race guy. And, uh, and, and I just, actually, I was judging a Hot Wheels. You know, they traveled to look for the. Yeah, yeah. So I was a judge when they were, they were here in town not that long ago. And I so knew here's him. the deal. Here, here's the deal. If he takes it and vintage races it and has fun with it, cool. If he just goes out in his garage in the dark and sets in it, you need to get another friend. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna let him know that because I don't know what he does with it. I didn't even know he owned it, and I've known the guy for years. <laughs> That's cool though, man. That's yeah. really cool. Well, you know, so when when he told me that, I'm like, you know, I, I guess I never thought about it, but there's so much memorabilia history um, that you have from you and what you've accomplished your family. And like, is there anything that you're missing that you wish you still had? You know what? Not, not really. And, and, but here's the thing. Here's, here's the funny part is. So if you go back, if you go back to my grandfather started racing in the late forties and they, they just raced stock cars. And if they wrecked them, they would just push them out behind the shop um, because you, you couldn't fix them. They were, they were road cars, and they didn't have time to spend working on these things. So when I grew up and was born uh, through the 60s, we would go back there and sit in these cars and play like we were racing. You know, you're in the junkyard, and you're, you're sitting there, and, and got car pet numbers painted on it and all that stuff. And um, then along, we, I started racing. We started adding on to the shop, so we, we dug a big hole and buried all those cars, and then – all the cars my dad raced, we would cut them apart and bury them, or they wouldn't go from one season to the next season. So, you know, really a 67 car, you might still be racing it in 1968 or 69 uh, parts and pieces of it. So um, we basically looked at that stuff as junk uh, and threw it away. And then one day somebody said, oh, man, I'll give you like $15 for that fender. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I know where there's a gold mine. And we started digging stuff up. Uh, and selling it, but it is funny that almost everything after I came along in the late seventies and early eighties, um, we had a big enough shop and had a big enough place that we just kept stuff. Uh, so I think we went from, from trash guys to hoarders, uh, (laughs) and we just hoarded everything, you know what I mean? So we've got a lot of stuff, Uh, a lot of stuff. My dad had a lot of stuff, everything Adam ever had, what we still have. Um, and a lot of stuff that I have. And if you go to my, my dad's shop and go to the museum there, uh, they rotate cars in and out of it um, that, that I've driven, that my dad's driven, that Adam drove, that Michael Mars worked on, that, that the whole family, that the people have driven for us have driven. So it's pretty cool to see that. I would think the hats would be just as uh, popular as the cars. 
Well, you know what? You know how they say, you know how they say that, um, and it used to be a fashion thing where, and, and I, I don't know it exactly, but like uh, in good times, the hemlines go up and in bad <laughs> times, the hemlines go down on yeah. women's dresses. Well, and about every 10 or 15 years, um, the front, the, the top of a man's hat goes up and then it comes back down. So you have those form fitted hats and then you have those trucker hats and then you go back to the form and then it's up to the, and listen, I am really waiting. I am, and this, it's, it's gotta be an environmental hazard. Maybe that's why they don't do it. I am waiting for the puff print to come back on, you know, where it looked like they just sprayed popcorn puff uh, on the front of a hat. And it was like printing down, hey, you know, keep on trucking, man, right there across the front and puff print. I'm waiting for that to make it come. The, the big hats have, but uh, the, the hats are hard to find, you know, because they were such bright colors uh, for most of the years in racing that they just fade. They just fade away. So to find one that's still pristine is, is pretty special. Uh, Nate, you have a question for the great, wonderful, amazing Kyle Petty. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nate's going to talk. I thought this was more like Penn and Teller no. um, for, for a minute there. <laughs> no. Nate has said nothing, so I, I thought that's where we were at. Because I got I'm a big mind, so I, hopefully you know sign language. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> Take it away, Nate. Ask anything you want. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, I've always been curious, what do you guys do in the car when you're driving? Or I don't know if you do something different, but, like, are you listening to music? Are you eating? Do you have, like, food and snacks and stuff with you, or are you just so focused on the race? No, you're, listen, you are, you are so focused. Um, I, I, t- I tell people this. Um is is and, and I know it's crazy uh and because the 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 and and listen this is not going to be politically correct so I apologize right off the bat oh. the 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 most asked female question is what do you do when you go to the bathroom um what do you have to do okay you don't because your body just shuts down your your body all your mind is focused on one thing you know you notice nothing else you don't notice the heat uh, it'll get to 140 or 50 degrees in the car. You don't notice the heat. Um, you don't notice things. You, you'll run a race. We used to run races, and when the race is over, you'd, you'd have a blister on the bottom of your heel about as big as a 50-cent piece from where your foot had burnt. But you didn't notice it until you got out of the car and started walking because you were focused on one thing. So uh, even during cautions, and and I, this is the part that is hard for fans to understand, um, because it, they think it's like a timeout in football. Everybody just gets together and they talk a little bit, and that's that's kind of what. No, you're still there's still some strategy going on. Two tires, four tires, pit. Where am I at on the racetrack? How's this restart going to work? Um, it's a it's a very it's a physical game, but I, I think a lot of times fans lose sight of how mental it is, so that you don't really. Um, and the mind is a strong, 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 strong thing, man. It comes overcomes a lot of things. It can overcome pain and and heat, and a lot of other things just to stay focused on winning. Yeah, but you're talking about you, and you didn't have to go to the bathroom because you were focused. But just like any sport, and, you know, it seems very cliche, you know, looks like the generations, as they, you know, progress, they get softer. Would you say that the sport of NASCAR has changed and gotten softer, or has it stayed the same? Are they still as tough in those cars as you guys were? Well, let me say, I will say this. So I, I was very fortunate to grow up and watched um, my dad and David Pearson and Kel Yarborough and Buddy Baker. Um, and these guys are legends. I mean, these, this is, these guys, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, and when I started racing, I'm, I was 18 and I'm thinking, kick these old man's butt. 
I'm, I'm going to get her done. You know what I mean? And I run about three races with them. And I thought, these are the toughest guys I've ever seen in my life. And I realized after running with them for five or six years, they were the most physically and mentally tough men I'd ever met in my life. Then my generation come along and we tried to emulate those guys. Um, and in a lot of ways we did. And in a lot of ways we fell short. And I think the next generation comes along and they, a lot of ways they tried to do what we did and they fail and they come short, but that's what the sport is now. Uh, it's just in a different place. These drivers, they have more technology, uh, more things at their fingertips to be able to make the sporty. It, it's like, it's, it's like, and, and I go back to, 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 and I tell people this, it's the equipment has changed who the drivers are. The equipment has changed how the drivers do things. Um, it, it, it's just like scuba diving. If you had to, to, to go back and go scuba diving 25 or 40 or 50 years ago, uh, and then I think those big brass hats, those guys put on for deep sea diving and pump the air down, you know, when they, it, it's like, oh my gosh, man, these guys couldn't do that. You know what? But those guys probably couldn't do what these guys do either. Uh, because the technology is so far advanced over anything that they would have known. It's just the time you grow up. So I, I don't think, listen, when people say these guys are soft, uh, or these guys are, are, are not what the other ones were, they're right. They are not what the other ones were. Um, but you know, that you're not soft when you get in a car and go out there and run 210 or 15 miles an hour in 140 or 50 degrees heat door to door, banging it out, trying to make something happen. You're a pretty tough guy. Uh, whether you stand six, six or whether you stand five, six, it makes no difference, man. You're, you're tough. Yeah. They always say baseball's America's pastime. Would you say that NASCAR is the most patriotic sport that we have? Major sport? Any sport. You know what? I think NASCAR has stayed probably more true to that uh, at this point. At this point. Um, you know, I, I think we were based, and, 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 I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to you this way. Uh, a lot of people, um, and it's, part, it's, it's true. It is true. I'm not going to deny it. I tell people all the time, my grandfather was in the beverage transportation business, um, which means he run moonshine. That's okay. You know, that's okay. He ran liquor. But a lot of this sport was born, and a lot of stock car racing was born from veterans coming back and the boys that came back from World War II and had seen such carnage in Europe and had seen such devastation and so many things happen. You can't take that 21-year-old kid and put him back on a tobacco farm in rural North Carolina. He has seen the world. It's different. It's a different world than what he ever thought he would ever see. Uh, and to let off steam, they drank. And to let off steam, they pulled the fenders off their cars, and they went out in cow pastures, and they raced. So from the very beginning, um, there's a veteran aspect of this. There's, a, there's an American aspect. It's a southern sport. It's a southeastern sport. It's an American sport, stock car racing. It's not some fancy butt race car with no fenders and all this other stuff and European talk sounding names. It's, you know, Jack Smith from Greenville, South Carolina. It's Lee Petty from Greensboro, North Carolina. It's, it's, it's these guys. So I think they've stayed true to that. I think the owners of the racetracks, uh, the sport has stayed true to that. And, and still to this day, you know, when you, you hear the prayer before the race starts, the national anthems there. Um, and I will say this, and I'll, I'll just go out on a limb and say it is when you see people sitting in the grandstands and not standing for the national anthem, you see somebody beside them, lift them up and hold them up mm -hmm. uh, for the national anthem. They don't have to stand. 
they get held up because that's that's what this sport believes. And, and I and I, I I applaud that to be honest with you. And, and truth be told, uh, I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan, not because I dislike the sport. It's just, I never got into it. I've been yeah. to Daytona. I've been to races before I know about, you know, racing and racers. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm a football guy, you know, grew up in football and then now tennis. But what the problem that I see with a lot of the, let's say big four, major four is with the idea of broadening their brand on an international level, they lose a lot of the history and yeah. there's nothing wrong with being proud of where we were at in our country and, and to have a sport that is, is, is derived from that. Uh, yeah. I, I applaud NASCAR because, you know, don't get it twisted. NASCAR has stayed true to what it is, but also evolved with the times. Your father was a huge part of that with Bubba Wallace. You know, yeah. I mean, to allow a black man on a NASCAR track, whoa, crazy, what's happening? What are you talking about? He's a man. He can race. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. So the evolution is there, but the history is not lost. That's key. Yes. Yeah. And that, listen, I, that, that's key. And, and that, that is, and you can go down a whole side road and, and a rabbit hole and this stuff, but, but I think that's key to anything. I mean, and, and I'm not a historian um, for this country or for, I am for the sport a little bit, but not for the country. But, you know, if, if you, if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. Uh, and the thing is, is to learn from your history and to learn your mistakes and don't repeat it. But it's called history for a reason. OK, it's in the past. It is something that happened. You can't change that. I can't rewrite today what happened in the sport in 1951. I can't rewrite today what happened in this sport in 1964, 65 during the civil rights movement. I can't I can't change that. Um, and I can't rewrite that. And I don't want to rewrite that because to rewrite that would be to belittle what we're doing now and what the sport is trying to do now with race relations and to be inclusive and to try to change. I, I, I say this, and it's funny because the title of the sport is Swerve or Die, or the title of the book is Swerve or Die. Um, and I, and I write, wrote that, and we came up with that title um, really for two reasons. Uh, for myself, because there were moments in my life that if you didn't, if I didn't change direction when my Uncle Randy passed away, uh, was killed when my mom passed away when so many things bad happened in my life um you have to be able to swerve and keep moving you have to be able to change you don't lay down and just die swerve or die you have to be able to to, to find the way around and i think this sport it's for this sport too because nascar has always found a way to be what it needed to be at that time in this country and for its fans and for its drivers uh it's a little bit of a chameleon it changes its colors, but it never changes who it is. Uh, and, and I think it's done a tremendous job. Uh, you know, and, and I write about it in the book a little bit where, you know, everybody points at motorsports. You know, you guys are, you're, you're not a green sport. You got to be a green sport uh, because we ride around in circles and we do use fossil fuel and we do use rubber tires and we do all this and we do it 36 times a year. Uh, but then you think about NBA teams and NFL teams flying in big jets all across the country. Listen, that carbon footprint, it equals itself out in some way, shape or form. So you can't just point at one sport. You have to point at a lot of different things. But NASCAR has taken huge strides uh, and, and their souvenirs and, um, and their concessions to be more green, to recycle, to do different things. We're looking at alternatives, electric cars and electric vehicles. It's like I said, listen, when they invented the second automobile in the world, 
there was a race somewhere. Uh, all you needed was two. <laughs> you put two horses together, it's going to be a race. You put two cars together, it's going to be a race. So um, I, I think I think the sport's done a great job. You mentioned Bubba. I think the sport has done a great job with its diversity uh, and bringing people in. What people ha- need to have to understand and have to continue to have, understand is we may have come to the game late, um, and we're not going to catch up overnight, but we have left the starting gate. Uh, and we're trying, and I think that's that's the main thing for the sport. And you can bring snacks to, I think, most, if not all, NASCAR events, which is, I, I've always said this about NASCAR, it is the most intimate sport that, that I've ever experienced as far as, I mean, I was leaning on tires yeah. in the pit of uh, the target car, which uh, the, 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 uh, I don't remember his name, but anyway, I was leaning on the tires. I was in the pit and I wasn't anybody special. I mean, I had passes and stuff, but pff, you kidding me? You race cars, yeah. right? It's the most intimate sport that's out there. Yeah. You know, if you're a fan and, and a lot of times you can get to that place and meet the drivers and meet the crew chiefs. And like you say, it, it is you, you, you being on pit road, um, standing there with the tires, standing, standing that close, you're within probably three or four feet, uh, of the crew chief who's making the calls. So that would be like standing on the sideline of an NFL game and standing that close to the, to the, to the coach, the head coach, or the offensive line coach, or or the defensive coach, as they make calls and send out. Yeah. That that's how close you are. You're that close to being in the game, in the game at that moment. So um, it's all you know. It's always been that way. It, it's just, and that is one thing that I, that I think they've done a great job of not getting away from. Um, insurance raises its head every now and then, and and you have to back back a little bit. You can't allow people in certain places because. Uh, there's not enough insurance coverage in the world to make that okay. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you can still get really close. Can you imagine an all-electric race sponsored by Whole Foods? You know, yeah. It's it's coming, right? I told people, I've been electric racing my whole life. I had a slot car track when I was six, man. I've been electric <laughs> car racing forever. So, yeah, it's listen, it just comes full circle for these guys. But it, it will, before it's all over, you're going to see something that, that, that far and – that's going to be one of those things where you just scratch your head and you're like, okay, if that's what we got, that's what we got. We just keep moving. That's interesting. Nate, do you have any more questions for Kyle Petty before we let him go? Yeah. I mean, obviously you're, you got into racing cause your whole family's in it, but what would have been your backup plan? I know you're also a musician, but was there some other career path that you were going to go into, but you went into racing? So I, I, I say this as from the time I was born, my mom had this dream for me that she was going to buy the, 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 the soda shop slash pharmacy in town. And I was going to be a pharmacist. Um, and she held on to that dream. She held on to that dream until I was 18 and started driving a race car. Um, and, and I, I used to always kid her kid with her cause I got a little bit of a ponytail and always have had long hair. I, I, I used to always kid with her. I know I look like a drug dealer, but I'm not going to be a pharmacist. It's not going to happen for you. You know, it's just not, it's just not going to happen for you. So, so, but the thing was, is no, I had no backup plan because I was so, and, and I, and I'll explain it to you guys this way, um, is I I'm from rural North Carolina. And when I say rural North Carolina, we were, you know, 20, 30 miles 
from the from the closest really big town where they had a theater where they had a McDonald's man when I was growing up you know that kind of, you you're out in you're out in the country and and people were chicken farmers uh, they were dairy farmers raised tobacco um, they were farmers and you know the kids went to school and then they went to work on the farm uh, the kids that lived in the city were mill workers they they worked in mills my grandmother Owens my mother's mother grew up uh, she worked a mill job. Uh, worked second shift her entire life. She worked second shift, and and that's the community that we were from. Um, very few people ever broke out of that community. Um, we were the anomaly because we raised race cars. Uh, that, that's just that was what we raised in rural North Carolina. And the thing was, is every kid I grew up with just did what their dad did, just did what their mom did, just did what their parents did. So I never thought about not doing what my parents did, not doing what my grand, my, my granddad or my dad did. Um, so I didn't have a, have a backup plan. I, I, you know, I played in the high school band and I loved music and that's where my love of music came from. Uh, I was a band geek, played saxophone. So I, I right off the bat. Um, but, uh, it was, Hey, I went to such a small school. I played, I played in band, um, Marched in competitions, was in the marching band, but I also played football, basketball, baseball, and ran track uh, because we had wow. such a small school. You had to, everybody had to play everything, or you didn't have enough teams. So I just never, I, I didn't have a backup plan um, until it was too late to have a backup plan, and then I just had to stay with Plan A no matter what it happened. What happened? Did you have an issue as a kid uh, with people wanting to be your friends because who your dad and grandfather were? No, no interest in you, but just wanted to come over the house. You know what? And that's, that's a great question. And I've wondered that looking back, I've wondered that. Um, but the friends I had, um, most of the friends I had growing up and, and this is an, another Kyle thing is I, I, I played sports. Um, and I had friends in high school, but not, I didn't have friends in high school and I, I didn't have friends like I had that worked on race cars. I was friends with the guys that worked on my dad's race car. I'd, I'd come home in the afternoon and bust it to the race shop. And I'd, I'd work at the race shop for three or four hours until it was supper time at home at six thirty or seven o'clock. And um, you know those guys—that's who I wanted to be like. I wanted to be like them. Um, while most of my friends were were off, you know, riding around in cars and doing all that stuff, I was working on cars. Uh, I was going to to California on the weekend. I was going to Michigan on the weekend. I was going to Florida on the weekend, and and with my parents and my dad, especially in racing cars. So, um, you know, I, I never. I, I, I tell people all the time I was seven or eight before I realized everybody's dad didn't have a race car. I just thought that's what everybody's dad did for a while, you know, but um, I don't think I ever really had friends that took advantage of it. The guys that I knew, it, it was pretty easy to tell people that they were going to take advantage of it, but um, not really. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I'm sure now looking back, you're like, man, remember that bill guy? I, I don't think he was ever really my friend. I should, I should track him down and, Call them out on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, it's so funny. Like when I graduated, there were like 82 or 83 kids in my graduate class. I knew all of them. I knew all their parents. And uh, that that's the disadvantage of being from a small town too, is um, that you, you couldn't be anywhere you weren't supposed to be because somebody's parents would see you and your parents would know <laughs> it before you got home. And that's pre cell phones, babe. That, that they had to go back to their house and call your, your parents on a landline and you'd still be in trouble. So uh, it was, it was tougher. It was a little tougher there. 
Uh, all right. Um, before we leave, uh, do you want to take a, a second or a minute or two and talk about Victory Junction? Yeah. Listen, Victory Junction, uh, I was just at Victory Junction. Um, on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, we have a thing called NASCARnival where NASCAR comes together and NASCAR drivers come over and pit crews come over and do a pit stop. Um, but Victory Junction is a camp uh, that after Adam's accident happened, um, we got it up and running in 2004. I had driven some sports car races with Paul Newman. Adam and I had talked about a camp at one point in time. And uh, we've, we've touched the lives of almost 100,000 kids now through camp and through our REACH program where we take camps to kids uh, in a hospital. But it, it's an amazing place. It's a place where kids are just empowered to be kids. Uh, that's all we do. We, we don't cure cancers. Uh, we don't cure blood disorders. We don't cure gastrointestinal disorders. Uh, we just allow those kids to come to camp in a healthy, safe environment uh, and, and to be there and to have a great time. And uh, we're part of the serious fun group of camps, which was Paul's original group of camps, his hole in the wall game camp that Newman's own uh, goes to help fun. And we've been very blessed to be in the NASCAR community and have so many drivers and so many teams and so many fans uh, keep us up and running and send kids to camp. So uh, it's been special. And you can go, you can find out more about camp at victoryjunction.org. And if you know a kid, listen, we've seen kids from all 50 States free of charge, free of charge. We'll get you there. We'll get you home. Uh, just come to camp. That's all we care about. So if anybody listening knows a kid, please contact Victor Junction and uh, we'll make sure we, we make something happen. And I'm guessing free salad dressing for every kid that attends. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, free whatever they want. That, that's the funny part about it. You get kids that come to camp. You know, it's such a competitive world out there and you'll get kids that come to camp and they'll say, I only drink Pepsi. Okay, you can have Pepsi. I only drink Coke. Okay, you can have Coke. You know what I mean? And and it's like they're you know it's Skippy peanut butter versus Jip. It's everybody everybody that fights in the marketplace when you come to camp. It's Switzerland, man. It's neutral. It's neutral. you got to put all your stuff aside because it's all about the kids and yeah. it's all about making the experience uh, the best week of camp and the best experience of these kids' lives. And that's what we try to do. Well, it's funny. North Carolina is Pepsi country, but you come to Georgia and you're holding a Pepsi, you're going to get beat up. I'm a Coke guy. Listen, I've been a Coke guy since 89. We go (laughs) go all the way back to Mellow Yellow, man. Uh, Mellow (laughs) Yellow was the Coke product for me. So I'm a a Coke guy through and through. Yeah. Uh, Look, Kyle Petty, uh, Swerve or Die, Life at My Speed in the First Family of NASCAR Racing. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the time. It's been an absolute honor to have you on our podcast um, and to be able to have this type of conversation with a, a man like you. It's It's been an honor. So thank you so much for all the time. No, thank you. Listen, thank you guys for, for having me uh, and allowing me to talk about the book and talk about this because, uh, you know, this is, it, it's something that's important to me. Camp is something that's important to me. Um, and, and that's, that's the main thing. You know, if, if somebody reads the book and sends a kid to camp, then doing all this is, is well worth it because, uh, that's one of the main goals is to be able to, to, to help other people and to help other families. And, uh, I went through a lot when Adam's accident happened and, and to lose a child is something incredibly traumatic. Uh, and, and hopefully this book will help someone. And remember, 10% of the proceeds go to Billy Bob Thornton since we used the picture on the cover. For sure. For sure. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Thank you so much again, sir. Good luck with the book, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Hold up. 
Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. In Georgia, if someone doesn't perform under a contract, the usual remedy is money. While in some cases you can have the court order them to perform, usually they won't because indentured servitude is not a thing anymore. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, Talk to Tyler. I want you to call my wife, but not for those reasons, you weirdo. I want you to call my wife, Rachel Guy, because you want to participate in this crazy market that's happening right now and take advantage of a house. She is the best at doing what she does, and that is a realtor with Keller Williams Atlanta North Office. Anybody that's dealt with my wife, and I know a lot of you two percenters have, uh, she's absolutely amazing. I can tell you firsthand, you know, if you're a first-time home buyer, she's going to walk you through it. If you've done this numerous times before, you might learn something. She's great. So if you're looking to buy or sell, call Rachel Guy because she's your guy. 404-797-4600. That's 404-797-4600. Let's keep it before 9 p.m. All right, some of you call fairly late. It's a little annoying. No offense. Stress-free buying and selling, and like I said, this crazy nutso market. You can also shoot her an email. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. I am still recovering from that tennis tournament week. It takes, even even at not getting up at 3.30 in the morning like years past, it just takes a lot out of you. And you're like, why? You don't really do much. It's a lot of waiting around. And I get on the microphone, and I do my intros, I do my interviews afterwards, which I got to tell you, this year probably was the best that I've done Ever. I mean, I can interview anybody, but I can inter- I like to interview them in long form. I mean, you know, we just had a great conversation there. I mean, every, every, we have three interviews a week on this show. Um, but when you got to do the sportsy, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, tell us your takes, you know. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, all that bullshit. It, it's so, you know, and then, of course, I have the problem of trying to be too cool for the room and, and be different and change things. So I'll change words and. Uh, I'll say, you know, things to the effect of, um, you know. So what was going right for you there? I mean, two-setter, you, you you got it done, 6-3, 6-2. What was working for you? You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, which is basically just somebody saying, give us the give us the news and notes. Give us the keys of the game, you know. But I just try to say it differently so it sounds more conversational, right? And then you don't, of course, want to go, too long because the rule of thumb and now it's really the rule of thumb in radio as well but the rule of thumb in television was always keep your questions short you know so and then radio you were able to expand because you had more airtime but radio has gotten to keep your questions short as well you know you want to get right into it you know my mo is i'll do a big setup i'll get the ball rolling and then throughout the conversation i'll have short questions but initially, it has to be a big question, 
you know, kind of a long question, a leading question. Uh, but uh, not all the guys are media trained either. I mean, they're actually, no, I should take that back. They're actually too media trained where where they'll, they'll, they'll give you like the canned answer, the canned response. And you always know, in this case, when a tennis player is does not want to talk to you and is tired and just wants to get off the court, they won't answer your question. Uh, like you'll ask it, but they won't answer. Instead, what they'll say is, this crowd was amazing. I love to be in Atlanta. It's just, just awesome. The energy. Like, I asked you about your hat, dude. I had nothing. I, did, I didn't ask you about this. <laughs> so when they go there, you know they got nothing to say, and you just get out. So I would end some of them with, with one question. Actually, the Tennis Channel people came over to me and said, hey, can you ask, which is odd because in the past they asked me to shorten it up. It's like, can you ask some more questions? And I said, I can, but I don't think they're going to be good responses. And they're like, I know what you're saying. I was like, so I figured I'd just get in and get out. I actually got complimented by the Tennis Channel for doing that. Nice. Um, yeah, which which was very cool. But as the tournament progresses, you don't see Jason Bailey in the camera shot. Jason Bailey is standing back towards camera, camera over left shoulder, so they could get the camera just on the player, which I understand. It's a fucking tennis channel. And who am I? I'm a nobody. Um, so you just, you just get my voice and my questions. I always wondered why I don't get beat up. Like, I mean, I got to say something that's going to piss a tennis person off. Like, where do they go to complain about me? Like, oh, God, I love Nick Kyrgios, but who's this douchebag asking them stupid fucking questions? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're on the Tennis Channel website I've, or the Facebook. I've never I've never searched for it before. I always thought I'd get beat up more, you know, because of the, the television exposure. But it seems like it seems like a Twitter thing. If it exists, that's where people go to complain. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they had with Nick Kyrgios. You know who Nick Kyrgios is? Yeah. Okay. He's the bad boy at tennis. He's my fave. I love him. I, I, I think he's, he's awesome. Everything about the guy is awesome. And, and so he, he bailed out of the singles competition because of injury, but still played doubles. And they ended up actually winning the, the, doubles, the, 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 the doubles side of things. So he's the only player for the Atlanta Open Tennis Tournament that's won the singles title and the doubles title, which is cool. He played with... Uh, Thanase Kokonakis, his Australian brethren. And, and, and it was great. Um, but he pulled So there was a lot of negative social media uh, on the tournament. I got scammed. He pulled out. And it's like, that's what it is. It's like card subject to change in wrestling. Got to relax people. You know? And then you just, after, after like Tuesday or Wednesday, you're just oh, so hot. I'm so bored, <laughs> but but it takes a lot out of you. And again, I got a decent amount of sleep. Why do you think that it, it's it's just so draining? Because you're just, I, I I work better on no sleep because I'm running off fumes and adrenaline. And this this year, I got I got a decent amount of sleep, at least like five or six hours a night. You know, better than one or one and a half years prior. But I'm still it's still taking me a week to to recover from this. I think it's just like the your time shift where. You you're more of a morning person than a night person. So from what I understand, like you don't have to get there super early. I think it would, it would usually start at like ten or something like that. But some I know you've said sometimes it can go till eleven or even twelve o'clock at night if it's uh you yeah. know delayed or whatever. Um, so you're probably just tired from being up later than you're used to. You're used to going to bed at your bedtime. Yeah, a little bit. Brandon, did you uh, regret not being my producer for the week? Uh, no, because we got a lot of work done. Got oh. a lot done. Oh. Fuck you, then. 
<laughs> well, and also like you get tired from just doing nothing. I mean, you know, you, you know how it is going to the beach or the pool in Florida, you go to the beach for like two hours and you go and go back home and take a nap. Like the, Oh, the sun really took it out of me. It's so tiring laying on a beach chair with the waves and drinking my fruity drink, <laughs> you know? but it always, you're exhausted after going to the beach for some reason. <laughs> It's just a long day. It's been a long week at the beach. I've been sunning, and it's just just taking everything out of me. I had to wash it down with a margarita, but the margarita just didn't hydrate the body. I don't know why I sound like the dude from Austin Powers. Um, the my core caddy did did really well this week. Got a lot of great exposure, or the last week got a lot of great exposure, and in this past week, you know, the week following. It's been some great follow-ups, including the possibility of a major retailer carrying it, uh, which is like you know close to the dream, which is cool. And and at the, my Corketti tent all week, my wife manned the tent. She was there from start to finish. She was a rock star. She, you know, she brought her little laptop and she did her work. And she had a couple. She had a closing or two, I think, during the week that she she went to, and she was able to juggle it all. She had an inspection and she all this real estate stuff. She's she's like an octopus with all these tentacles and doing eight different things at one time. Uh, and, and, and without her, I, I I wouldn't have been able to do that. It's just impossible because I can't can't afford to hire people to man the tent. I just don't have it in in the my Corketti budget. So, of course, we do what any other parent does and and recruit slave labor, which is, uh, you know, our children or our daughter and then her friends. You know, and and the way I look at it is um, you don't need to get paid for the time that you're giving us this week because, you know, one of you lives at our house and has for the past two fucking years. Uh, The rest of you kind of come and go as you please you eat all my damn food and you drink my, my sugar-free Powerades. Um, so, and I grill for you, you know, with $80 briskets on a, on a normal occasion. So I figured you could funnel out a couple hours and, and do some community service for me for the week. I, is that the attitude or is it? No, no, Jason, that's not how this works. I don't know. How old are they? 17. Yeah, that's tough. Cause like, party is like i agree with what you're saying you you supported these kids you feed them you take them on vacations you do all these things for them and you know when i was a kid if you're over at a friend's house and their parent their dad hey can you help uh you know hold this ladder while i put up you know whatever outside of the house you know you did it you kind of did what your parents friends told or your friend's parents told you to do but on the other hand if you know they're going to be adults next year or legally adults and you're trying to teach them, you know, to work hard and work for your money and, and know your worth and everything. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a conundrum with their age, I think. But 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 you're right. You know, when I was a kid, even when I was a teenager, when when my friend's parents needed help with something, I didn't ask to get paid, nor did I expect to get paid. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've moved my friend's parents as a teenager uh, you, you know, load up the U-Hauls and, and stuff and spend d- days d- d- moving stuff or carrying stuff just because we're all big guys and strong guys. I I don't remember ever getting paid. I don't remember ever expecting to get paid. I don't remember asking for money. I don't even remember turning money down because it wasn't even offered. It was just not a thing. It was just understood, hey, I need help. You're my friend. You help me. And it's not even said that, hey, look, you know, you eat over here. You stay over here. We, we do this for you. It wasn't a, hey, you owe us type of thing either. It was just a, 
you're my friend, help me out. Yeah. That's how I remember it. Yeah, agreed. But like I was saying, it was that's usually when you're younger and or if you know even if you're in your teens and and somebody's movie or something local but you also have to keep in mind these these kids had to go go somewhere they're they're spending their summer for a week sitting out in the hot sun sweating um so you can make money so it'd be like if we were kids and our our friend's dad owned like a restaurant and we were expected to go work in his restaurant for free um for a week i probably wouldn't have done that well if it makes you feel any better i did not make much money (laughs) Okay. <laughs> it, it was it was more of a branding situation. Yeah. Uh, and I did pay for all of their food for the week. That's what I was about to say. I was like, hey, just, just get them a pizza or something like that and some waters out there. They should be fine. Just pay kids off with food. I mean, they don't need a lot of money. I mean, what are they buying? They ain't got a car payment or cell phone payment or insurance or house or anything. Uh, they're just buying food and gas, right? Yeah. You know, so we did give uh, one of them gas money for the week because his parents would not give him gas money. So we gave him gas money, you know, so I ended up, I ended up giving him some money though. I did. I, I just felt bad. That was nice. You know? I, then, but then you go, okay, well, how much do you give? Yeah. Like what's fair? What's fair. So, you know, and then I, I didn't pay him all the exact same because they didn't all work the same hours. The, the rock star of the week was Ariel's new boyfriend. This guy, this guy's a beast. This this dude, call him Lando. His name's Landon, but we call him. His friends call him Lando. I mean, he he's like a brand. He's a good old boy, you know. Lives down there in Macon, and uh, he hunts, and he drives a jeep, and, uh, and 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 his friends are making fun of him because he's in the big city, hanging out with the uh, the city folk. And uh, you know what happens in the city folk? You get the gays and the blacks. You know, I mean, that's how country <laughs> this guy is. That's how Macon Macon is, right? Yeah, Macon's bad. Uh, Macon's bad. bad. Like but real country. Yeah, real country. Like a lot of them don't make it any sense with some of the shit that they say. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they got to change their ways a little bit. It's just it's just bad. But this kid is a good kid. He's a really really good kid. So he lives in Macon. He's he he's the boyfriend of my daughter. He's here because he plays travel baseball. Their travel baseball was done. But he stayed at his buddy's house, who is Ariel's friend's boyfriend. He stayed at their house this week so he could help us. That's how good of a kid he is. Right? That's nice. Didn't expect so anything. He, didn't, didn't, he lives in Macon or he was just playing baseball in Macon? No, he lives in Macon but was here for travel baseball. Uh, okay. So how how are they like how is he friends with your daughter's friends and how did your daughter meet him if they don't go to school together he play he's played baseball with her f- good friend's boyfriend for years so they've been friends for a long time so uh, when the baseball stuff started up they met but they also you know social media right so you can meet on social media and become friends and do chats and I mean it's a different world right true so so they met they liked each other new boyfriend had to transition from the old boyfriend. He went a little, ooh, and, uh, and now we got the new boyfriend. You know, and of course, as, as Papa Bear, you're sitting there and you're, you know, keeping an eye on shit. You're making sure, you know, what's going on. And very respectful, shakes, shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, never complains. Um, but the thing that put him over, and this is, you know, third-hand, third-party information that I got from Rach, one evening, and it wasn't even pitch blackout, I don't think, but one evening, 
where they were parking, they were parking close to where we were at. There was like a vendor parking, but still it was, you know, at Atlantic station and it's, it's over there. And and it wasn't like tight, tight security. So Ariel needed to go to her car. Ariel being a very independent young woman. She's like, I'm going to my car, not thinking twice about it. And Lando goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 hold on for a second. You're not going to your car without me. And she goes, I'm fine. I can do it. He goes, no, 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 no. I walk with you. I'm not letting you go to your car by yourself. You win. That's awesome. You know, ching, 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 gold star for Lando. (laughs) You know, yay, Lando, let's have a party. You know, so I was very excited about that. So he was there every day. And some days this dude was there before us. So we would get there in the tent. The booth would be all set up because Lando, you know, Glando Lando. What's that? The damn straight. Damn straight, right? This is, I mean, he is a legit, pure country boy with a good heart and a good head on his shoulders. Uh, I say that now. Watch him fuck up eventually. But, you know. Well, I was say, you've said this about every boyfriend that you've had. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. This guy's the best guy. So, this guy said some terrible things about my daughter. I had to confront him. I know. <laughs> so let, let's, we should all make predictions on what's going to happen with this guy. <laughs> I know. I know. I, look, you, Nate, you should be happy that I say these things. I, I, I'm, I'm at least looking for the best in these kids. No, I am. I'm very happy that you're not being, you know, mean to them or scary to them. You, right. You're you're enjoying them. And hopefully you've realized that because you've kind of had the opinion that this generation is you know, weak and, and pussies and they're lazy and they don't do anything. And I've always said that that's not everybody, but it seems like she's been finding these guys that are good dudes that have manners and that are athletic and hardworking. You are correct. Yeah. It, now, if I were to base their generation just off of this kid, I would be wrong because he's, he's, he's old school. I mean, he, he's, he, the country boy. Yeah, he he's his parents. He raised him right. You know they they, they did good. Um, so he he's very good. So I paid him more. Yeah, I, that sounds right. I paid I him mean, more. Good. I gave him some more money. There was a situation that occurred during the week that where he was staying here in Atlanta, they didn't want him there anymore. Because they had to go out of town. So they, they weren't going to let him stay at the house by himself. So the idea was pitched to me. <laughs> Brandon smiling. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think I'm going to say, Brandon? I think I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Sleep on the couch. Yeah. Do you mind if Lando stays the night? And... uh. Before I, of course, my knee knee jerk reaction is fuck no, that's not gonna happen. Are you kidding me? You know. But then I sat there and like I actually thought about it, and I said, let me think about that for a second. And I actually I had to think it through, which is weird because I shouldn't have to have thought that through. Of course not. No, 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 no. But then as I started to think about, it, I'm like, why? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? It's a big house. You sleep so what's the big deal? You know, there's no different sleeping in the same hotel, right? I mean, I don't think they're gonna sneak around in the middle of the night. I got cameras, I'm right there. You'd have to go past my door. I'm gonna hear you. The dog's gonna hear you. It ain't gonna work, you know. Uh so I I tried to figure out why. Is that Toon Toons? 
fine. Um, what's the, like, how long? Is it, is it just a night, or is he trying to stay a week like he did with his buddy in Atlanta? Nah, it, well, originally it was pitched to me, I think, for one night, but I think that if if I would have allowed it, spoiler alert, then it would have probably been for a couple days. It would have been for a week, but it would have been for a couple days. But I thought about it, which was shocking. It was surprising. I thought about it. Um, surprising to you too, probably, right, huh? That I yeah. even consider it. And I was like, you know, he's a good kid. You know, he's helping out. This is the other problem. Is like, I need this dude. You know, like, so then it becomes yeah. a little selfish. Like, oh, fucking, I got to do something. I have to put him, if he's not staying at the hotel, I, gotta, I mean, at the house, I got to put him up at a hotel. And I was like, no, I can't put a fucking kid up in a hotel. What am I doing? What am I thinking? You know, so luckily his uncle lives in Swanee. But again, that's not close. You know, but these kids don't care. They drive, you know, it's like, oh, he only lives three hours away. I'll just go stay what? there. Why don't none of these kids have parents? It's like all these kids are like <laughs> living at your house and just living some at their friend's house an hour away for a week. Like, what the fuck are these parents anymore? Your generation has failed you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They, they very rarely are around their parents. I agree. I I, 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 I totally agree. You know, we, Rachel and I both would like to think that we're just that cool that they want to be with us versus their own parents. That's the way we've kind of angled it. Yeah, well, and you have the fun house and the you're the cool parents, but it's not. I'm not even thinking about these kids or like what they want. I'm thinking about why the fuck are these parents okay with their kid that's 17 years old staying at a friend's house for a week, you know, an hour away when uh, you don't know what he's doing. And I don't know. It just seems strange to me. Well, you know, when you're doing with the travel baseball stuff, I get you know, 17 years old. You know, it, it's very hard. You know, when you're when you're a kid and you always say, well, things are going to be different when I'm a when I'm a parent when I'm growing. Eh, not so much, you know, you, you, you know, the things that you did, the things that you got away with, the things that you got lucky that you're still even on this earth. And, and you don't want your kids obviously to make the same mistakes. Um, there's no way, thank God, none of my kids are anywhere near as bad as, as I was. I mean, I was next level bad, just horrible. I mean, I should not be here. I should have died at least eight times before 20. There's just no doubt about it. There's just, there's just, I should not be here. And so I thought about it and I said no, obviously. And this is this was my reason though. I said no because they haven't been dating long enough. That that was my conclusion. That was my justification. I was like, if they had been dating for like a year, I think I'd be okay with it. Not to sleep in the same bed and nothing dirty yeah. like that's going on. But if he'd if he'd been around us, me for a year, you know, he's proven himself. You know, a year's a long time. You know, if, if there's any cracks, I'm going to see him in a year. I haven't known him for that long. So I'm like, and I'm weird in general about, this is something else that's very tough for me during this period of time in my life with all these kids over my house. I have always, Nate as my witness, hate it when strangers were in my house. Always really weird about it. Yeah. Um, you know, when Nate first got the code to my garage to walk my dog, like to do me a favor, he felt honored because yeah. I was so tight about that kind of stuff. You know, so for me to have just any strangers at the house, I mean, over the time I've, it's gotten better, which is weird. The older I get, the more loose I get usually should be the opposite. So, so that was my justification. I said, we have known a while. Yeah. I, I kind of had the same mindset at first. Cause I was thinking like, well, yeah, well, like you don't really know this guy. You're just gonna have a kid stay in your house. But then again, she has a lot of friends stay over that at one point you didn't really know him. Um, but I don't know. It, I, I think the same way, but it almost doesn't make sense. Cause you're right. like, 
yeah, now uh, isn't fine when they barely know each other. But what maybe in a year when they're 18 and they're probably, you know, a little more physically active, then let's put them in the house together overnight. <laughs> you know, like, it kind of doesn't make sense in the long run. But but I feel the same way. It's like you don't really know the kid yet. Well, I was pissed off I was put in that situation. I was irritated that the question even came up. I was I was irritated that the situation even came up, you know, which was out of our control because of the place that he was staying. You know, they like they pretty much just said, hey, dude, you can't stay here. And like some of these kids will stay at other places. And they like there's there's no. I there's no understanding of how long, you know, like it's time for me to go, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. It, like they, they don't have that, you know. So when I'm like, all right, guys, how long are you going to fucking be here? You know, it's, I, I want some privacy. Can, can you get in my like sometimes in my house, I'll walk around thinking I'm by myself and I'll hear shit upstairs. Like, what is that? That's one of Ariel's friends. She's not even here, but the friend is. Yeah. She's like, hey, I made a sandwich. You want one? Nobody tells me this stuff. I'm walking around. I'm like, I can't walk around in my underwear, in my own house, because I, I don't know who's here. You know, God forbid, like, I were to say something out loud or do something goofy, start singing or release fluids or not fluids, but gases, you know, so, I mean, just something weird. <laughs> like just jerking in on the kitchen counter. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't think I was anyone was here. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> Now, really, whose fault is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me pull my pants up. Hang on. <laughs> uh, but you now, again, you go back to the if if you go back to when you were a kid, what were the rules? So in my situation, my mother allowed my high school girlfriend to stay over at like 16. I think it yeah. was six, 16, maybe going into her senior year at 17. Because uh, I was 17 as a senior. I didn't turn 18 until June. So when I Some, Summer. Yeah. 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 And that, that was the other thing I thought is like, my first thought when, if that question was asked to me is, oh, hell no. But then I think, well, I like my girlfriend when I was in like eighth grade or something like that, her dad had a plane and a house at the Lake of the Ozarks. And my, I used to go down there and stay with them in their, their lake house and, uh, when I was, you know, in eighth grade, however old you are then. Um, and so I was younger than him and staying over at a girlfriend's house. So I was like, well, shit, I did it. But then again, then you think, well, just cause I did it. Does that mean it was right? I don't know. Right. Cause the, how are you looking at it? Are you looking at it? Like, you know, like, Oh yeah, you guys go up there to, you know, close the door, lock the door, stay in the room. You guys want some champagne, some strawberry. It's not like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Cause really our only hang up is that they're different their opposite sexes. Correct. You know, if it was another 17 year old girlfriend that came over and that she only knew for a month or whatever, you probably wouldn't care, but it's, it's the, it's our adult minds thinking like, Oh, they're trying to have sex in my house, but he just needs a place to sleep really. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the funny thing is, is that we're so caught up on this, this opposite sex thing that, you know, the, the, this generation, you know, my daughter's generation and even probably the, the older generation right above her. I mean, they don't know if they're, they're straight or gay. You know, so the for the shock factor, they'll be gay for a week. You know, guys and girls, girls and guys, I should say. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Nobody knows their sexuality. And and so, like, I mean, some of her friends have been gay for a week, and then they decide, okay, I'm going to be straight. This is fucking weird. Yeah, you got some scissoring going on upstairs. You don't even know it. Exactly. Like, you're like, okay, well, the lesbians can stay over, but the, the guy can't. Where, the, where at least I'm pretty sure the guy's going to be respectful 
and, and not do anything. I don't know what the lesbian code is. Maybe they're fucking lickapalooza everywhere. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Would you have a different answer for it if it was a gay guy that, that was her friend, like a high school kid? No, like, I, like I, he, he's like, Hey, you know, I'm with, I'm one of the ladies <laughs> and he, he just, he's always hanging around the girls. He's that like, you know, sidekick gay friend. And, and he's just need a place before, you know, his to stay the night before his dance class the next day. And what do you, <laughs> he, what do you say? He's the gay guy in mean girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he's still no, 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 because it's a guy. Uh, yeah, but he's gay. I, I, it doesn't matter. It's still a guy, you know? Just, so, so why do you, why isn't, uh, okay for the girl to stay over who is not like attracted to your daughter, but then the guy. Oh, I'm not arguing that it makes sense. I'm just telling you, you just asked me what I would do. None of this makes sense. None of of what I'm saying really makes sense. You know, to some people it does, you know, but overall it doesn't make sense. See, I think I would let him. I I think I would. It's kind of like the the gay guy, like you were talking about a couple of weeks ago, like the gay guys grabbing girls' fake boobs. Oh, feel my fake boobs or whatever, and they get the pass for it. But if it's a guy that's straight, they can't do that. I, I feel like I'd let the the gay friend stay the night. Well, so it's the it's kind of the argument that that they're having with the bathrooms is that if mm-hmm. you identify as a female but you're a guy, you should be able to use the women's room. I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, it's because you got a dick, you know, and, and she doesn't. You know, dick's in one room, vagina's in another room. It's just that simple. But then you go, okay, well, you're worried about the sexuality thing. You got lesbians going in there. Pfft, you ain't got nothing for you there. Sorry, I don't know how to fix that one. <laughs> yeah, le- Maybe we just need eight different fucking bathrooms for everybody. I have no yeah. idea. Uh, I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, if, if I were a place that had to have a bathroom, I would have a unisex bathroom with one stall. Yeah. Way. Just like bars that only have, you know, it's just a dory going there. There's a toilet and a urinal maybe, which is kind of weird. Like the public bathrooms are really strange when you, you think about it and you sit down and think about the details of it. Like you go into this room and shit together while there is just like a, a thin piece of metal between you two, but it doesn't go to the floor. You get to look at each other's feet and hear their farts while you're sitting there. It's like the the oddest thing. And then you have that awkwardness, like drying your hands. And then, oh, my thing's out of soap, so I got to wait till this guy's out of the way for the, the soap dispenser. And then, you know, oh, they're paper towels. Oh, they're all gone. And then you got to wipe it on your head. It's just like the weirdest experience if you really think about it. And don't forget about the awkward peephole, which is the crack between the stalled door and the, and the actual door itself where you have this beeline eyesight view of the person washing their hands and they are able to line up one of their eyes into the crack and it's just automatically, unintentionally, but automatically you have no choice but for your eye to go through that crack and your eye is going towards them automatically and you connect eyes. It's awkward and you're looking at each other but you can only see the pupils. That's it. It's the pupil look. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and even weirder in the bathroom is uh, places like uh, Chastain Amphitheater. They have the, the old trough. Oh, you know, yeah. The big, long like, trough. like at UCF's that, old uh, bathrooms. Yeah, that's even weirder that, like, I mean, if, if people came in 100 years of the future and came back and saw that, like, these people are just peeing like animals. Like, what the fuck is this thing? And then the awkward conversation at the urinal. So good game, huh? Yeah, <laughs> like there's never a good. Con- it's always uncomfortable if someone starts talking to you. One thing to never to say to any stranger at the urinal is "nice watch." You should never say that. Yeah, <laughs> I have the same mole. <laughs> Where'd you? How'd you lose your finger, man? <laughs> Did, have I told you guys the uh, 
the it's kind of embarrassing, but the embarrassing, awkward thing I have to do in the bathroom now? No. The squeegee? Well, yeah, because of the squeegee. Yeah. The squeegee and the drip. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I Wait, usually, let's guess. Brandon, what do you think? Uh, he's got to wear a pad. <laughs> no, I don't have to wear a pad, Brandon. <laughs> do you have to shut your penis in the, the toilet seat lid and then gently pull back so it squeegees it out? No. I am a big stall guy, but I've always been a stall guy because of uh, back in the day doing bar gigs. You just never know who's going to come up behind you and crack you in the head with a beer bottle. So I've always yeah. been a stall guy in general. But if I do have to go to the urinal and I don't see anybody there, I'll walk in. Like, I had to do this at the tennis tournament. I had to, uh, uh, you know, they had, like, the, the porta-potties, but they were, like, the VIP porta-potties, you know, where they had the mm-hmm. sinks. They were kind of nice, you know? Yeah. And you would have a couple people in there. And most of the time the stalls were, were filled, so I had to go to the urinal. And... So I'd go in, this is at any bathroom I go into, but I go, okay, but let me preface for people that don't know. I went to the urologist a couple years ago and the woman told me I had to squeegee my penis from now on because like I'll pee and then I'll still have a little bit peepees afterwards. So I have to, it takes me longer to peepees um, because I have to, to squeegee the rest of the peepees. I just gets caught. It's not fixable. And she says it, it happens to a lot of guys. I'm just probably the only guy in the world that talks about it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't squeegee, it will come out in your drawers, which then goes through your pants and it's uncomfortable. Um, now, when you wear like the microfiber, you know, the, the athletic underwear, unlike the cotton underwear that would absorb peepees, the micro, it like kind of, Makes it wet for a while, right? Yeah. Very uncomfortable. This is a very disgusting conversation, but it's very true. <laughs> it's very real. And so uh, so I have to dap. You know, I squeegee and dap, right? It's not just the shakes anymore. I can't just do one, two, three, shake, and I'm done. You know, and any extra pee-pees goes in, in the underwears and you, and you leave. I have to shake, shake, squeegee, dap, dap, squeegee, dap, dap. And when I say dap, dap, with like a tissue or toilet paper. Oh, oh, dabbing? Yeah, d- dabbing. Or not dapping, dabbing. Dabbing Dapping would be putting my elbow on my penis, right? <laughs> or my forehead on my penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be cam newting, cam newting my penis. So when I go into the restroom, like in this case this past week with the, the tennis tournament, I go and I grab a paper towel for my dabbing. But it's weird to go straight to the paper towel to the urinal if somebody's looking. Anybody want to guess what I do for the cover-up? Uh, you pretend to wipe your nose? Yes. So, <laughs> but, I, but I take it a step farther. I put it in my nose and I go, and I'll make, I'll, I'll, I'll act. I'll say like, oh, gross. And I'll go, you know, <laughs> just in case somebody's watching me. I must think very highly of myself to think that people are actually watching me, but it makes me feel better. And I go over and I'll do that. Very not toilet paper in there to use? Huh? Not toilet paper in the bathroom to use? Why do you got to get a separate towel? Well, if I, if I can't get into a stall. Oh, you're talking about for just a urinal? For just a urinal, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just a and then I'll ball it up in my hands, so in case they're looking at my hands to, to, to see what I'm doing, you know. Oh, anyway, so I don't know how we got on that conversation. Oh, the gays in the bathroom, stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so he, he didn't, he ended up not staying the night. Obviously, uh, okay. And he stayed at his, he stayed find at, somewhere else. Stayed at his uncle's house in Swanee, which is a hike. 
it's not that far, and he had his uncle living there the whole time, and he's not staying with him. (laughs) You think that would have been the first (laughs) go-to? I guess I, I don't know. I, I'm not yeah. told much. I just I just I just get asked questions every once in a while. You know, if there's something that bothers me, you know, I had to blow up the other day about something that I asked one of her friends that uh, said, you know, this is this is not your house. This is my house, and these are my rules. And this is the second time you've done this. And if you do it again, you got to go. So I had to lay that law down <laughs> so, like, what do they do what are they doing can you say nah, I don't want to say. it's not it's not like the hugest deal in the world but it is my rule so it's my rule my house like it or not that's just how it is when you don't listen you're being disrespectful i can't deal with the disrespect so you got to go no, no sleeping on the couches um woo, i would prefer not to sleep on the couches downstairs sure absolutely yeah that's like the hardest rule I've ever heard. No sleeping on these couches. Is it for sitting and watching TV only? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sleeping on them, you're out of here. I don't want your feet on my couch. I mean, I don't, you, if there's a circumstance where we had, for whatever reason, a bunch of people that had to stay the night, I would have no problem sleeping on the couch. But I just don't want a random sleepover on my couch. I'm, I'm not 20 years old. This isn't a, a fraternity house. These are nice couches, and I don't want your stink-ass feet on them. You know? I mean... Yeah, your stinky asses, fine. But those socks, get the fuck out of here. Well, you're st- you're not putting your bare, stinky ass on my couch. You're not, I'm you're not putting your bare feet either. But you're, people wear socks. You're not sleeping. Nobody wears socks when they sleep. If I'm on a couch, I do. Well, that I appreciate that, but I guarantee <laughs> that guy up there in the other box ain't. You know? <laughs> Yeah, no, you got to take your socks off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got to take your socks off. <laughs> I take my socks off. I can't sleep with socks on. It makes me unco- it make it itchy. Get, like around 2 in the morning, it starts to get itchy for some reason. Can't do it. <laughs> so, anyway, that was the week. It was good. Um, I, tell you, I told you guys about the tennis player that couldn't have his flag, right? Did I tell you about that? Yeah, yeah we talked about one of the episodes. Belarus couldn't have it. He didn't make it to the finals, so he was not... Uh, so it was null and void to to mention it. You know, I thought that was kind of silly. You know, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. We did talk about it. That was kind of silly. Yeah, no flag at all. No, they wouldn't put a flag up there. It's just the ATP rules. Like a picture of his face up there. Uh, no, just his name. No, uh, no. Did they use his face? I think they, yeah, they might. No, I think it's just the name. It usually is the name, the flag, and then the score on the scoreboard. Yeah, I don't think they put the face up there. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, is it the what whole, was his name? Uh, Ilya Ivashka. Okay. Yeah. I found it. I was curious, like on Google or, you know, on any website, they, when they show like the bracket, they usually put the little flag next to him and yeah, they, they don't have one for him even on Google. Really? Yeah. Are you, are, is that like, are you looking at on Google or did you Google his name to go to the ATP site? No, I just Googled Atlanta open and it comes up with the results for, um, each day, and when I click on Saturday, he lost to some Minotaur guy from uh, the UK. <laughs> uh, no, well, it's Alex Damonor, and he's oh, yeah. from Australia. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I could just see the little bird. It's a pretty tiny flag. Um, but, yeah, next to him, you got, there's nothing. It's just a blank space. Alex Damonor actually won the whole thing. Oh, dang. The second time. He won it in 2006, or no, I'm sorry, 2019 as well. He's a good dude, really good tennis player, really nice guy, very cool. Little, little fella. Oh, yeah. He, he beat the American in the finals, I see. He did. Jensen Brooksby. 
good kid, very passionate about tennis, very competitive. I think he'll have a uh, nice top 30 career. That's cool. Yeah, top 30 career. He's pretty good. So anyway, the week goes by, tired, drained. This week is catch-up week. And then everything that I was supposed to do last week or would have done last week, I got to do this week. So I got double stuff. So uh, I've been on this waiting list to get to the doctor for my annual uh, checkup for, for skin cancer because I'm very passionate about not dying of skin cancer. Very, very passionate about this. Uh, I had a buddy in college at the age of 22 die of skin cancer, and I saw what he went through, and I just I think it's uh, it's like one of those things I just think is silly to, to die of skin cancer. It's like, it sucks. You go outside in the sun and, you know, I mean, you, you can get skin cancer in your ears, right? I mean, you can... You, People just think that, you know, it's on your face, your forehead, your neck, your arms, your, your legs, that kind of thing. You can get it on your genitals um, somehow if they're exposed to, 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 to sunlight. It's crazy. And, and so, what? Was it stop going to those nudie beaches. Man. Well, so, you know, I, I douse, you know, when I play tennis, I douse and uh, sunscreen. And, you know, this tournament, obviously, I douse with sunscreen. I was wearing a hat sunscreen. So I had to go to a new doctor now that I'm a self-employed individual. I have new health insurance. So mm-hmm. I had to find somebody in network, you know, to, to go to. And I go to this new, this new uh, dermatologist and uh, not far from the house. I get there and, and, I, and I go in. They're very pleasant, very, very nice people. And I was like ushered in almost immediately. And I didn't even get to fill out my paperwork, you know. So I get into the room and this v- fairly attractive girl was checking me in. And asking me some questions and whatnot. And they're all uniformed. Like, they all wear the same. They're all, it's like black and silver is their colors. Very cool. Very tight. Very, very hip. Uh, And so she was like, you know, why are you here? I said, it's my annual checkup, but I do have a couple spots that I'd like the doctor to look at. Got one on my face and I got a couple on my legs. She was like, not a problem. Blah, 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 blah. So almost immediately after she's done asking the questions, the doctor walks in. The dermatologist walks in. 24, maybe? I mean, he was a kid. Like, his facial hair wasn't even real facial hair yet. It was kind of like <laughs> curlies. You know, the stuff that, like, it's on Brandon's face. It's not even real man hair. And But he talked like he was in his 50s. I mean, he didn't talk, but he, he was very intelligent, very eloquent, very, very good speaker and very friendly and just bubbly and, and, and makes you want to like him. I was like, this guy has got it on going on. And he's like, I uh, just happen to have Dr. Bernanke with me, too. Do you mind if he stays? I'm like, no, it's not a problem. By this time, I'm wearing a robe, you know, so I've got just a robe and my under my underdrawers on. And I'm sitting on this chair in this this room and I have the the dermatologist doctor, his, I guess, co-doctor, Dr. Bernanke, his name's Goodman, and the nurse, which I forget her name, all three of them in the room. I, I don't remember undressing, like, for, for the, but I guess you got to, right? Because they got to check everywhere. Oh, I thought you meant like you got roofied. Like, I don't remember undressing. I was just on the table with my legs spread open looking over my butthole. <laughs> they said they got the cancer, though, even though I couldn't walk for three days. 
And, and so he's like, uh, where's the spot? So I showed him the spot on my face. He's like, no, that's just the cysts. He's like, we can pop it if you want. He's like, it's no big deal. I was like, I got pictures coming up. He's like, ah, let's just leave it. He's like, if it bothers you, just come in and we'll, we'll take care of it. He's like, it's not cancer. So I was like, all right, cool. Showed him these two spots on my legs. And he asked how long they'd been there. And I said, they've been there for about at least a year. And I was like, the, my last dermatologist said there was nothing no, that we didn't have to worry about. I was like, I just, they just look weird. He's like, I agree. He's like, let me, let me shave those and let's take some samples. And, um, well, cause that's what they do. They take samples first, they shave it and they send it into the lab. And if it comes back malignant, then they got to go back in or there's signs that it could be malignant. Then they got to go back in and they dig deeper. I've had that happen before. Uh, they took something out of my leg years ago. It was the gnarliest looking thing ever. They, it was, it, it was kind of like a, it was, a. What do I call it? Uh, what do you call it? it um, was it like the brain on Ninja Turtles? No, it was like a calcium deposit looking. It was a hard white thing that it, the growth on my my ankle, and I just <clears> thought it was weird. And I went in, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, we got to take this out." And then they checked it. They they just scraped it. They checked it. Like, yeah, we got to take all of it out. They dug into my 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 ankle, my leg. And they pulled it out like the core of an apple. And he puts it in the jar and he shows it to me. And it literally had a core, like roots to it. Ugh. That Yeah, it was, it, I don't, it wasn't really gross. It was just gnarly. It, it was weird, like funky looking. Like that was in my leg. It was growing in my body. So they shaved off the things in the leg to send in. And then he looks, he starts looking at elsewhere in my body. And he's, he goes to my belly. You know, which I'm like, oh shit, the guy's gonna be poking my belly. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, what's this? And I was like, that's fat. He's like, no, 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 that, what's that? And I was like, oh, that's uh, my belly button. That, that, well, yeah, it was close to my belly. I saw it was my <laughs> belly button. He's like, no, 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 next to it. He was, I was like, I don't know, what is it? He's, he's like, have you had that for a long time? I was like, yeah, it's been there for a minute. It's and my penis. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, well, I definitely want to get rid of that. I was like, okay, cool. So then he pulls, you know, he starts going out my pants. He opens up my underwear and he looks down. I'm like, this is, the chick's still here, you know? I'm like, yeah. I felt like. These oh, testicles got to go. <laughs> <laughs> they look enlarged and red. Okay, uh, Nurse Betty, can you come over here and make him erect so we can see the full penis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to get in the folds. This is where porn dreams come come to life, right? I mean, this is where it all happens. <laughs> Yeah, getting the mole removed. Hey, ladies, what's it? Uh, Dr. Bernacki is going to watch you have sex with my nurse, and I'm going to acapella, uh, acapella uh, a song for you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll get to work, and we'll take all these things off your body. <laughs> Dr. Bukaki. <laughs> Dr. Bukaki. Uh, I need five more nurses in here, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. And bring the film crew. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... The dermatologist I went through bef went through before when they would freeze whatever it is that they take. I, I remember it was like a can, a spray can, and they would and it would freeze it, and then you wouldn't feel anything. I don't remember them putting a needle in. So this guy didn't have like a full length needle; it was like a prick needle. You know the, those like you go get blood, they prick your finger for blood. Yeah, and he had to poke each spot. And so he's like, it's going to, it's going to prick a little bit. And I was like, okay, gotcha. So the next two, I, 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 I tightened the butt. Like, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Go in. You know? So he did it and he, and he took it off. And then, so we were done and he was like, yeah, you're all good to go. He's like, put some band-aids on, put Vaseline on and, and, and you're ready to go every day. 
Then I went to pay. And so as I'm in, we're done. The doctors leave. It's just me and the chick still. I'm like, I think this is when it all starts. I mean, this is, and she's like, you did good, sir. You know, can you do better? You know, that kind of thing. I'm like, what do I do? I'm married. I'm a married man. I can't do this, but this is a guy's dream come true. What happens? You know, I mean, what do you do, Nate? I mean, th- like, that's the one where you just do it and you just pass it. You know, you're just like, this isn't cheating. This is acting. Yeah. And you got evidence too. Cause if they remove something, you can be like, see, this is what I was doing there. I swear to God, took out this cyst right here. Yeah. You, and you can't say a thing because your office would be destroyed. So we got to keep this between us. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I never do that to my wife. <laughs> um, but of course, as a guy, you, those things go through your head. Anyway, so uh, so she was like, okay, you're done. You put on your clothes. And I was like, yeah, that's right, baby. So she leaves the room. I put on my clothes. Very nice. And I go to this. So I had an $80 copay with this insurance, which I thought was a little high. But whatever. I don't pay much for this yeah. insurance. And so uh, like when you're self-employed and you pay for your own insurance, it's a different world. Like it's a, you know, it's a, it's a different, I mean, Brandon, you know what I'm talking about. Nate, you don't have insurance because you just go to the pharmacy in Mexico. You don't have to have insurance in Mexico, right? Right. Yeah. You can, but yeah, we don't need to really. Okay. Are, are you on your parents' insurance if you have to come back to the United States for something? No, I don't think I can even be because I'm too old at this point. I think you can only, you have to be 26 to still be on your parents. Oh. Yep. Oh, is that right, Brandon? Yep. I got three years. Oh, so you're still on dad's in, uh, Delta insurance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't know what it's like either. Yeah. And I, I didn't either until I turned 47 and got fired. <laughs> like I, 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 I've never purchased my own insurance before, you know, and it was a thing and we talked about it in an episode and stuff like that. So anyway, I got, so I paid $80 for the copay. I was like, Oh, it's a little high, but that's fine. Let's see what that covers. And then I go to check out. I should have been a fucking dermatologist. This is the most cakewalk job ever. If you know what you're doing, you literally walk in, you bullshit, 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 you prick and scrape, band-aid and out. I mean, holy shit, $380 more later, that guy just got paid $460 for 10 minutes of his time. And that's just what you paid, not even what the uh, insurance company paid him. Yeah, so, and I got the itemized bill. The insurance company paid, like, they covered, like, maybe 50 or 60%. They didn't cover much. I mean, they covered more. I mean, they, they, it was fine. They, they, they covered, you know. But, yeah, you're right. So, the, the, for $1,000 for, like, 10 minutes of work, and this is a simple operation. Like, not even operation, but a simple procedure. Those, can, I can only imagine you going in there and you're like, I got this. I got to get taken off. Oh man, it's, you know it's a bigger procedure. It's thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, probably. And well, I don't think it's an easy. I mean, certain things are probably easy. It's kind of like the dentist. You know, you, you go to the dentist. The hygienist cleans your teeth, and then the dentist comes in and like pokes your gum and like, okay, you look good. See you in six months. And they, <laughs> they don't do almost nothing. Uh, but that that's just the cleaning. They also have to do like tooth extraction and surgeries and shit like that. So you're probably just not seeing the, the gross stuff. Cause I follow this derm doctor on, on TikTok, and I just like, I'll watch those like pimple popping videos and them taking out cysts and like, Oh, there's this thing where like a hair can be ingrown for like years and they think it's a blackhead and then they open it and they pull out this hair and it's like six feet long. And it's, so they have to deal with a lot of gross shit. So I kind of understand that. I get those a lot, like especially my armpits cause I shave my body. You know, but I, but I shave with the peanut. I don't shave with a, with a razor, you know, the peanut, right. The, the electric razor. And 
you know, maybe I need to change the blade or something. I don't know. It's probably dull, but you'll get the, the, you'll get the ingrown hairs. I'll get one at a time and I'll get it, you know, especially in my armpit, I'll get one and it'll become this big ball. And like when you extract it, you know, the hair shoots out of it. You know, you see the hair. It looks like shrapnel. It's like coming out. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. That stuff grosses me out. If I do it to myself, not so much. But if I see it done other people, like like I dated a girl years ago that was like, oh, let me pop that for you. I'm like, what? No, that's gross. You know, I don't mind doing it myself, but somebody else to do it. I just think that's weird, especially your significant other. It's just an odd thing to do. All right. Uh, so anyway, so back to normal. Everything's good. Uh, hopefully I'm, I'm, I don't have any cancer. Uh, but let me finish with this before we do better with fuck is uh, it, please get checked at least at least every 12 months, you know, just just to have somebody look it over and see if you got anything that that should be taken off your body. Because once it gets to a certain point, you're done. I mean, like literally one mole, if left and it's cancerous, it's malignant. Uh, if you leave it alone and don't do anything about it, uh, it'll be too late. I'll give you a quick story. Uh, I was talking to... Um, my copyright attorney, Robert, um, when I was coming back from the doctor's office, we were talking some business stuff. And he was like, hey, are you okay? You know, I, I know you went to the, the, the doctor's. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just went to the dermatologist because, you know, I, I told him the whole thing about how I fear skin cancer because of my buddy and this and this and that. And he's like, oh, yeah, that ain't no joke. He goes, I have a friend of mine who just passed away. She was 38 years old uh, or 20, either 28 or 38 years old of 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 skin cancer she was she's a twin blonde hair blue eyes she was she had a a, a a mole on her body and they couldn't get her in until a certain period of time and then she went she was already planning to travel so she was traveling in the uk and so she, the good amount of time i mean not years but weeks and months went by and she finally was like i should probably you know let me just go get this looked at somebody in, in the UK. So she goes to a dermatologist in the UK and they said, you need to get home now. Um, you, you need to go back to the United States immediately. So your health insurance can take care of this because this is not good. This is, this is, this is a bad looking mole. It's like, I'm not going to do anything because I'm not going to chart. I don't want to charge you. All it comes down to money, but go home immediately, go to a dermatologist. So she goes home, she's able to get an emergency appointment. They go in, they extract it, they take it off. They sent it into the lab. They they knew beforehand that it was bad. And they come back and they said, you don't have much more time to live. I mean, can you imagine? Like, that's like the worst, the worst thing in the world. A fucking mole did this to this poor girl. Young girl. And, and they said, if you would have gotten to us maybe even two or three weeks earlier, we would have been able to do something. Possibly. There's a good chance we would have been able to do something. But it's too late. It's spread to your your skin is your biggest organism, right? It's your biggest organ yeah. in your body. Yeah. So it, 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 it's spread, and you know it's spread to her brain, and it's 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 all over your body. There's no way we can kill this cancer. You're gonna die, and you have probably six months left to live. And she did. She died in, like six months later. That, over a mole, over a mole, and because she couldn't get in on time. That's what I was going to say. I'm not even pissed about like the mole thing. I'm more upset about both countries uh, healthcare because um, yeah, the U in the U S she should have been able to get in for, for something that was dangerous. And in the UK, that doctor 
what the fuck are you doing? Oh, this looks like you're going to die. Let me send you home. No, I mean, like, the and the UK has far better health care than we do. So, uh, I mean, any doctor should be like, no, you need to get this taken care of now. It doesn't matter how much it costs or whatever. You're going to die if you, if you don't get this taken care of. Why would you send her home? That's crazy. Yeah, so she passed away. Get get checked, please. Just make an appointment to a dermatologist and say you just want to check up. Every year, get checked. And I've got so many holes in my body, man. When I drink water, I look like a fucking you know water fountain just coming out <laughs> but but you know what i'm okay with it i i really am i'm, I'm fine with the, the i look at them as the battle scars of life uh, but, yeah but at least i'm not going to die of, of skin cancer you know I'll die something eventually but not skin cancer is not going to get me i promise you that all right everything's been there's a little weird this week you guys are going to have to give me a little leadway on this uh, everything's better with fucks <laughs> whatever we do it's better with fuck. What? Everything's better with the fuck. All right, and uh, you're ready to give a fuck about your health, and you want to check out Chef Erica, ericanicoleday.com, E-R-I-C-A-N-I-C-O-L-E-D-A-Y.com, ericanicoleday.com. Uh, experienced culinary medicine consultant, private chef, with medical high-end restaurant background. So she is available for you. She is a big supporter of what we do. I'm hoping that somebody will be a big supporter of Chef Erica Nicole Day. Um, available for consulting on meal planning for weight loss. Yeah, Helping with medical conditions or strict macros for bodybuilding, fitness, training. Just reach out to her. You know, I mean, we all need a, a little kick in the ass for, for our fitness and our health. Uh, just reach out to her for pricing and, you know, any advice. She'll probably give you some free advice. I don't know. EricaNicoleDay.com. Chef Erica. Fantastic. Great. Chef Erica. All right, so this week's Everything's Better with Fuck. Uh, usually I'll go to the the, the Facebook 2 Percenter uh, private group and, and I'll ask for, for input, but I didn't have time. Again, the tennis tournament and everything going on. So uh, I, I was, I started, like, I started with SpongeBob. I went to Bert and Ernie. And then I ended up on instructional videos. Don't know how I got there. <laughs> just nothing was working. Like I'm listening to the audio. I'm like, nothing's working. It's like an instructional video will be fun. And then I was like, oh, it'd be like an old instructional video. That would be really funny. So then I ended up on this video with this kooky guy. And this is under instructional instructional video. This kooky guy doing this instructional video for this summer camp. It's like called Camp Tiago or something like that. And uh, and I was like, okay, this guy's weird. This might work. So that's where I'm at. This is what you're about to hear, okay? Better with fuck camp instructional, instructional video, instructional video with weird guy, okay? That's where we're okay. at. Okay. You guys, you're going to, you're one to 10, 10 being the best. And uh, whichever clip, we got three of them, wins gets played uh, twice. Here we go. First one. The next rule is a very important rule. No boys are allowed even on the deck of a girl's bunk. No girls are allowed even on the deck of a boy's bunk. Listen, there are tons of other places to fuck and hang out. Why don't you head down to the Tioga Dance Pavilion and bust some sick moves? I'm guessing this is some place in New York by the sound of this guy. He's like, yeah. an, he's like an older guy, and it's one of those cheesy 80, you know, green screen type of deals with all the fluorescent lights, and he's trying to be, I guess, cool and hip. He's talking silly. Yeah. 
Yeah, why don't you this, go fuck down to the Camp Tiago deck or whatever he said. <laughs> yeah. is, is he running a uh, pizza joint uh, summer camp? <laughs> hey, why don't you just go down there and get another slice? And the music is that old school 80s, you know, breaking. Kind of what, just a side note, have you seen uh, those Car Shield commercials? Uh, no, I don't believe I have. Okay. So they, they've gotten celebrity endorsed. Car shield is, is a, a car warranty service, you know, whether it works or not, I don't know, but it's, you know, catering to probably a, a different crowd than the normal car insurance. And I'm not saying like by color, I'm saying by economic status. So, uh, so they've got a, a celebrity endorsers and one of them they got was iced tea. And all the other celebrity endorsers are just kind of straight up, hey, I'm blah, 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 and this and that. They kind of make, they talk to people. It's like, I saved $1,200 because of car, that kind of thing. But with Ice T, he comes out, and it's like it's like a rap video. But they have the cheesy rap, like, yo, I'm Ice T. This is my boy for Car Shield. We go way back, yo. I'm like, kind of stereotypical like a little racist if you i mean is that what that's how we work nowadays if it's stereotypical it's racist anyway all right uh one to ten uh nate uh i i really like that one i'm gonna start off with an eight i thought it was a good placed fuck wow thank you very much brandon yeah i liked it because i think the whole goal of him was to tell him not he doesn't want them fucking, but then you threw the fucking, and now they're fucking down there by the river. So <laughs> give it a nine. <laughs> nine, nice. <laughs> now they're fucking down by the river. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Starting out great. All right, here's the second one. Sup, dog. My name is Ronnie. What's your name? Don't talk to me, you airhead. Stop. What's wrong with this scene? Don't forget golden rule number three. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. The other people the way you want to be treated. It's that simple. Do you fuck your mother with that mouth? We expect everyone to be appropriate and uplifting to others. <laughs> What's up, dog? <laughs> Do you fuck hey, hey, your hey. mother with that mouth? <laughs> uh, all right, Nate. Yeah, that was the. I, I wasn't. I wasn't as crazy as about the first fuck, but the second fuck saved it. Um, so I'll go eight again on this one. I really like that. Uh, wow. you fuck your mother with that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> High scores. This is great. This might be the highest scoring better with the fuck ever. Uh, Brandon. Yeah. I like that one. They remind me of, I don't know if y'all seen uh, Rick and Morty, but they do like shows as interdimensional cable and they just have like weird ads and stuff like that. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Uh, I didn't like it as much as the first, but I'm giving it eight. All right. Um, funny you said Rick and Morty. I think the creator coming on soon justin roiland what, what's his name justin roiland <sighs> well now that you know that shit i'm gonna look it up uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't know um i don't know i said yes to it whatever it was i don't know i i don't i can't i don't know the name maybe it wasn't rick it was one of those cartoon guys like or was it dan Harmon? so he was another cre- one of the creators i think maybe it is dan Harmon. I think that is Dan Harmon. I think it was. That sounds more. I don't. I don't remember the one brand. Anyway, okay. So I got uh, the first ones in first place because because of, of Brandon's nine. But here's the last one. Let's see if this takes the takes the cake. Rule number four. Fuck. Clean. Listen. If you choose not to shower during the summer, everyone's gonna smell you, and it's not gonna smell good. Fuck. Brush your teeth. 
please. Make sure you clean up after yourself. If you want to live like a dirty monkey, we'll send you to the zoo. And I'm really serious about this. We've had kids sent to the zoo before. It's a very serious matter. I'm done with this. I don't want any more. I'm done. All right. Last one, Nate. Um, I, I didn't think either of them really made sense. So I'm going to go six on this one. Oh my God. They do make sense. Uh, he just said fuck. And then it went into him talking about brushing his teeth. Yeah, it was, it was fuck comma clean your teeth. He was talking about things to, 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 to different things to do. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I promise it does make sense. Brandon. Uh I still like the first one the best. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay, seven. So the first one is the winner. We get to hear that one again, nonetheless. The next rule is a very important rule. No boys are allowed even on the deck of a girl's bunk. No girls are allowed even on the deck of a boy's bunk. Listen, there are tons of other places to fuck and hang out. Why don't you head down to the Tioga Dance Pavilion and bust some sick moves? (laughs) That was a great one. I told you, I think I told you, I don't know if I said uh, on mic or off mic, but I was like, the vi- the video's better than the Fox, I think, just because it's so bad. Yeah, well, you'll have to send that to us so Brandy can post it. Uh, oh, I'd have to find it again. Okay, I'll do my best. Yeah, it'll be in your, you have a YouTube history, if it was on YouTube. It was on YouTube. Okay, yeah, just go look at your history. Well, look at my history of my YouTube. All right. Podcastthebs.com. That is our website. It's a fantastic website. So much to do on there. It's like a theme park. You can spend days there. Uh, Our (laughs) merch store uh, where you can buy merchandise. You know, I highly suggest if you're going to make the effort, get the premium T-shirts. They're very, very comfy. I've got numerous ones, including tank tops. You see Nate always posing in a BS or better than radio tank top. Uh, so that's off of podcastbs.com for you subscribers. Thank you so much. Got some really cool stuff coming your way. Promise you that promise, 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 promise you that because when this podcast in pours two is announced, when we lock everything that needs to be locked down, locked down, uh, the only people that will be able to win tickets, including, all right, well, a little extra info on this one, including VIP, which will be all you can drink, all you can eat will mm-hmm. be subscribers, premium two percenters. So uh, that's, yeah. I mean, I mean, you get commercial-free shows, you get extra podcasts, you get extra shows, you get cool giveaways. I mean, you get possibly get VIP. It's not, it's not bad. Uh, all right, so that and, of course, our social media. Oh, and by the way, if you're not a subscriber, you know, as much as I want you to subscribe, I'd appreciate you subscribe, support the cause. It allows Brandon to buy uh, a third hat, you know. I mean, I think if we get 10 more subscribers, Brandon gets a third hat. So that that's nice to, to have. Um, uh, you know, we appreciate you being here, nonetheless. So if you could uh, share, the, the, if you like the podcast, if you like what we do, let people, let at least one person know about it over the weekend or something. That's how this stuff grows. Uh, our social media is fantastic. Uh, just need some more sharing of stuff like, you know, the stuff that's posted up on YouTube and, you know, the reels and all that stuff you can share it. So all of our social media off there. All right, Nate, you got anything going into a weekend? Happy Friday, fuckers. Happy Friday, fuckers, beer chugs in harmony. All right, Brandon. 
Fuck down at the dance club. Fuck down to that Camp Tiago. And fuck down to Camp Tiago Dance Club. Get your busting dance moves there. All right, look, have yourself a great and safe weekend. If you're going to be doing some drinking, and I'm sure you are. Uh, if you've had too much, please don't get behind the wheel of a car. I've lost way too many friends like that. And thanks so much for the support. Talk to you soon. Bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.